When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. You're listening to The Overnight Crowd. G'day, g'day, g'day. Welcome in to the overnight crowd on the SEN app across the SEN network. My name is Nathan Gibbons. Phil Pryor, who usually is the Sydney correspondent, he has got the flu, so unfortunately for him, I'm here and I'm glad to be here and I'll be here right through to 3am on the Eastern Seaboard. Now, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Top of the table clash in the AFL. The Geelong Cats taking on the Melbourne Demons. For you guys on NRL Nation, it was a top of the table clash, which the Geelong Cats got the spoils. Isaac Smith winning in his 250th AFL match. Look, we're going to cover a lot of topics tonight. We're going to go through the AFL in depth. We've got former Swan and Magpie Nick Davis to preview the round. We're going to talk to Brett Phillips for Wimbledon. Adam Collins from Sri Lanka to talk cricket. Will Daly, Rugby Union. We're going to cover so many topics tonight. But before we do, the man of the moment, NRL Nations, the mad Russian, Alex the Seal. Now, Alex, I'm going to give you tonight, mate, the chance to bring up your own nickname. You get called quite a lot. What, what do you go by, Al? Well, Mulchie's my nickname, Gibbo. That's, you know, I'm labelled a lot of things on this station. And hello to the overnight crowd listeners. Good to be back with you on a Thursday night. But Mulchie's the, the simple one that I grew up with. So having all these labels applied to me, it's good to finally break free of those shackles. I thank you for giving me that opportunity, Gibbo. No worries, mate. Well, you're a pivotal part of the NRL nation and... We will touch on that. I know we've got a lot of listeners down in Victoria who won't be too pleased with that. But before we touch on the rugby league, your first love, Al, is the round ball. Now, what do you do with the global game is lying dormant, which you can also hear around the SEN network. 
Mate, what has been happening with the round ball? Well, it never stops, Gibbo. So yep. J-League and K-League are on at the moment, which, as you know, I'll be up watching um, at weird hours of the night. There's NPL around the country in Victoria and New South Wales, um, big clubs like South Melbourne down south of the border, big clubs like Sydney United 58, Sydney Olympic. And just quickly, before we move off the round ball, Milos Ninkovic, the Sydney FC star uh, player, he has... Gone to the Crosstown Rivals, Western Sydney Wanderers, is that right? Bizarre decision. Really? On all three parties counts. So the issue came down to a citizenship that Sydney FC wanted Milos to get, so he wasn't taking up one of their foreign visa slots. Milos was not willing to rush that through. Um, in, time to him for, in time for him to sign for this season under contract as an Australian. Yep. So Western... Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers have made that contract offer to him. Milos has taken that up. Um, fair play to him. He's a professional. But for Sydney FC fans, that's a real kick in the teeth. That's, um, that's seven, eight seasons. It's a lot of trophies. It's uh, a, a Johnny Warren medal as the best player in the league with that club and tearing our hearts out, basically, by going across town. So... Um, it'll certainly give the Sydney Derby some spice this season, something that's been much lacking over the last few seasons. Now, uh, just before we get on to the Rugby League tonight, which uh, the, the Cronulla Sharks get taking the victory over the Melbourne Storm, I know you like your tennis as well. Yes. Nick Kyrgios, h- how do you think... Quick, well, we will speak to Brett Phillips a little later on in the show, but how do you think he's going to go up against Rafael Nadal? I think Rafa's in a bit of trouble um, yep. simply because of how he's going to be coming into the match physically. I think Nick's looking as applied as he's ever looked in his career since he made his last quarterfinals, um, which is, you know, seven, eight years ago now, which is quite remarkable when you think about it. Lots happened since then. Obviously, the allegations off court um, are not great. A lot of people have their opinions of Nick for good reason. I have a lot of problems with what he does on the court, but when yep. he's been applied as he has been the last two rounds, he's fantastic entertainment. There's no denying that. And I'd love to see an Aussie win in England. There's nothing better than watching an Aussie win at Wimbledon in front of the Poms. It's it's a sweet feeling, and I'll be cheering for Nick all the way, certainly against Rafa, and it, hopefully against Novak in the final. He sort of seems like the type of athlete who needs a bit of controversy. The drama he sorts of lives off, and, you know, when he's getting pushed down, that's when he rises up. So he's definitely a polarising figure in Australian sport. We're going to chat through a lot of the Nick Kyrgios stuff. Like I said, we'll chat to Brett Phillips a bit later on. But, Al, you are one of the producers here at NRL Nation. And tonight, the Cronulla Sharks getting the victory over the Melbourne Storm. Uh, sitting here for the second week in a row, as I did with Phil last weekend, talking about a poor performance from the Melbourne Storm. And they, again, were lacking in effort areas, which is probably the most concerning thing for Craig Bellamy. That's not something you associate with his teams, whether they're winning or losing. So uh, to put in two performances like that, well, they were overrun. You know, the Sharks are a good team on paper, but they were... Th- Again, as Manly were the week before, without star players. Nico Hines is away on origin duty. Um, they didn't have Sefer Talakai in the yeah. centres either. I mean, it's um, it's turning into a bit of fa- a farce for the Melbourne Storm. They're waiting for Cameron Munster to come back. I don't know. He's going to be the you know, fix-all for them, as Cameron Smith was so often for them over the decade or so before that. It's, 
it's becoming a bit of a conundrum for them. Well, and it's only two losses on the trot. Yep. You've got to put that in context as well, over origin period. So there's all these little variables in there. But uh, the state of the performances they've put in at two regional grounds in Sydney, a lot's been against them. But the manner in which they've gone about those two games has been... I'll use that term again, un-Melbourne-like. Well, it really depends on how Cam Munster, for Melbourne fans, bounces through origin on Wednesday night, whether or not that shoulder A Mm. holds up and whether or not he can come back into that Melbourne side. For me, looking, Ryan Pappenhausen has been a little slow coming back from that injury. Better tonight. And Jesse Ramian, though, for the Cronulla Sharks. What I do love about this round, so up here in New South Wales, guys, we have... We've got the Tri-July celebration, so the yep. Cronulla Sharks boys got behind that, and there were plenty of tries to celebrate tonight for them. Jesse Ramian, who, whose name was sort of talked about at one stage to possibly be a centre for New South Wales, he had a great performance tonight, Al. Yeah. Um, Jesse's one of those players who is sort of a, a bit of a grafter. He does a job. Um, he's got his talents, that's for sure, and he probably could have had a fourth bomb to try in the first half as well. Um, but the way they opened up the storm down that side of the field was another worrying side for Craig Bellamy. Matt Moylan was mercurial tonight. He ran the game from minute one to minute 80. Um, and his kicking game, attacking kicking, putting the Melbourne Storm on the back foot in their own half and defending their try line, forcing repeat sets, but you know, putting tries on a platter. Ronaldo Mulatolo with a yeah. wonderful put down. Um, which really got the Sharks kicking away. It was a it was a complete performance from the Sharks and one that's you know we saw early in the season but has been lacking a little bit as it's gone on through the middle of part of the season again over origin period. I talk about how sides lose a little bit of that rhythm, but tonight they they were back to the side we saw in the first ten rounds and they look not only a serious top eight contender when they play like that, but a top four side. When they're, when they're playing that sort of football. Well, it's going to be an interesting month or so for Craig Bellamy in his Melbourne Storm. Uh, we'll see how they'll bounce back. Now, if we continue on with this abbreviated round, round 17 of the National Rugby League, tomorrow night you'll be able to hear this on SCN and across the SCN network. Uh, the Newcastle Knights up against South Sydney. Latrell returned last week for them, Al, and he looked in good touch the Knights have had their struggles, but, you know, eight tries to zip last week. Look, this is going to be an interesting matchup tomorrow night. So, so excited to watch the Rabbitohs go up to Newcastle and to watch Latrell Mitchell back. Doesn't it look a different football side? Absolutely. It's just, and it was talked about and there was sort of, you know, whispers about, you know, what a bad loss Adam Reynolds was. And, you know, there's certainly an argument for that. But... Latrell Mitchell is the key to that side. For I sure. think everyone can see that. If he's fit and he's talked about, he talked about today on the captain's run with Denon Kemp and Cameron Smith up here in Sydney about how his time away was spent more effectively than in 2021 during that suspension. Yeah. And the time and effort and detail that has gone into his rehab. And he come back and everyone's talked about how different he looks and how he's cut that some of that weight that people were critical of him for carrying last season. It's I, scary to think how good he can be. I think as well, he unleashes Cody Walker now. Absolutely. For you people down in Victoria and across Australia, Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell, they have this 
great energy as mm. players and they really fit well together. Latrell's spent most of the year on the sidelines and Cody Walker looks a lot freer, but it, look, we'll see how they go. Anthony Milford looks to be getting back in mm. top form. As we move to Saturday, now this club, Al, you would know, uh, doing a lot of stuff through NRL Nation, the West Tigers are constantly in the headlines, whether or not that is in the right reasons or the wrong reasons. Now they take on the Parramatta Eels on Saturday afternoon. At Leichhardt, which is a bonus to them, a, a real worry that that game would be at Compact Stadium again, but Noddy's got his work cut out for him, doesn't yep. he? Um, and a little bit more than that. That's a side that uh, are back to full strength now, and Adam Dewey's still got to find his feet, do that sort of thing. But, gee whiz, they look a side that's uh, devoid of inspiration yeah, Let's put it that way. It, it's always tough when you sort of see a side regress uh, with a new interim coach. But look, they've got troops back. Adam Dewey now will play his third game. He will be playing centre, but if you, according to him, his best position is in the middle as a half. So we'll see what happens there. What, did, the you, par- what did you make of that? Another oh. another leak from the West Tigers organisation, and that's. Yeah. Really tough one, Adam, who we've had a little bit to do with in here with the interrelation team. is a lovely kid. But how is that getting out? Adam was yeah. coy about that when he was asked in here. He was just coy about it off air, let alone on air. So how that is getting out of the club yeah. is just what a debacle the West Tigers are at the moment. The Parramatta Reels, they don't win that game. Their finals have serious jeopardy because uh, they need to be winning that game and winning it comfortably. Now, listening to Joel Kane, who is the drive presenter up here in Sydney and up in Queensland, he had some strong words about, you know, this sort of stuff doesn't happen to the big clubs. You never, never hear of the Melbourne Storms, the Sydney Roosters, where stuff is getting leaked out. So, mm. look... It's going to be a tough match for the West Tigers. Parramatta Eels are not really affected by origin besides Eugenio Paulo. They're going to have Clint Gutherson, their captain, playing his 150th match. Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown will be there. So, look, we'll, we'll move on to the final game of the round. The Brisbane Broncos up against the George Illawarra Dragons. Now, how do you see this one playing out? Well, whispers this week from people that the Broncos might be a sneaky to drop out of the top eight. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they've got too much class about them. The performances they put up consistently this season against good sides, um, combine that with their run home, I think they've got enough points in them to to find their way certainly into the eight. But this is a big game for them. This is a game they should be winning. This is a game they're favourites for, and rightfully so. They've got a couple of big names out. The Dragons are coming in on a run of a couple of good games but have not been able to continue that in any sort of meaningful way over the course of the season. Speak for the Dragons' top eight. They're one of those sides that are competing to to get into the finals and coming in in off the back of two straight wins, which is not something you say too often about them this season. So really interested to watch the one on Sunday afternoon. I I think the Broncos still have enough, but I can see why people are tipping the Dragons. They're they're every shout up there on Sunday afternoon. Look, we're going to head to a quick break in just a second. Now, we'll have another chat on the other side of this. There's still some more NRL news to get to. Obviously, Jordan McLean, New South Wales debutant. He's been ruled out of origin. You can get into contact here on the overnight crowd, 0433981116. We have had some correspondence from our friends in Victoria. Always positive. Look, Always positive. Look, we're going to get through all the AFL, but please let me know your thoughts. Give us a call, 
1300 736 736. I know it was a top of the table clash. Please. I'll be honest, I'll admit, Al, I'm a casual fan of the AFL. I do, I do like it. My knowledge is not 10 out of 10. So please give us a call here. I want to know your thoughts. How is this Geelong Cats team stacking up? And the Melbourne Demons, another loss for them. Can they go back to back? So please let me know. 0433-981116 or that phone number 1300-736-736. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back just after this. You're listening to the Overnight Crowd. Call us anytime, 1300 736 736 or tweet us at Overnight Crowd. overnight crowd on SEN across the SEN network and on the SEN app now you would have been listening to either AFL Nation or NRL Nation on the app we had the Geelong Cats up against the Melbourne Demons as I said earlier the top of the table Isaac Smith winning in his 250th AFL match the seventh straight victory for the Cats taking down the reigning premiers the Melbourne Demons Christian Petrarca kicking three goals for the D's. Mitch Duncan, Cameron Guthrie and Gary Rowan kicking two apiece for the Cats. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what happens tomorrow. Clayton Oliver, the eight-year signed superstar for the Melbourne D's. He will go for scans tomorrow on that hand. Now, let us know your thoughts on that match. 0433-981116. Or you can pick up the phone one 736 736 Now, next week, the Geelong Cats will take on Carlton. And the Blues on Sunday will take on the West Coast Eagles. Now, for the Ds, their bounce-back game will be up against Port Adelaide. Now, we are joined by NRL Nation producer Al, who I've given... I've let you choose your own nickname, Al. Mulchy is what we've come up with now. Mulchy is known by plenty of things. The mad Russian, Alex Cecile, but Mulchy it is. And we're just going to quickly finish off, round out a couple of news stories from the NRL and the Rugby League. I know we will get to the top of the table clash in the AFL, but Jordan McLean for New South Wales. Now, he did play down at the Melbourne Storm. He was going to make his debut in the deciding game up at Suncorp, but unfortunately ruled out due to injury. It's a shock and a shame, isn't it? Heart, heartbreaking story. Um, and the audio that came out of him today, um, talking about telling his, uh, you know, anyone who had a dry eye, listening to that, watching it, um, credit to you because that was just a heartbreaking story. A guy is probably not going to get another chance at origin level. It was a, a perfect storm that's seen him come into Brad Fittler's side. Um, for New South Wales, a blow as well. 
he's sort of going down the ranks now and talking about Saifidi coming in who hasn't had the best season and playing in a night side that's struggling and suddenly he's coming to prop some contro- controversy around Regan Campbell-Gillard not being picked as he was in game one. Uh, I'm personally of the, the opinion that he should be there. Whatever reason he's not, must have been something that went on during Origin camp in game one um, that has seen him miss out. So it's disappointing for Regan, disappointing, of course, for Jordan McLean as well. Um, and hopefully Saifidi can can carry that load that's being left by the, the absence of Paynehouse as well. well yeah, you, you would assume from a New South Wales point of view that Junior Paulo, Junior Barlow will start from mm-hmm. the Parramatta club. But, yeah, look, Wednesday's setting up to be a real treat. Both sides have had their injury concerns. Uh, Melbourne Storm second rower Felice Kalfusi will miss the match uh, due to family reasons. And now just, just one final little NRL hit here. Reese Walsh leaving the New Zealand Warriors. Kia uh, ora to all you New Zealand listeners out there. It's a massive shame for them because they took a punt on him. And now what's happening, a lot of their players are pulling out of the club mm. because they will go back to New Zealand next year. Huge loss, Reese Walsh at the Broncos. Yeah. Surprising that he went to the Warriors when he did and that the Broncos let him go initially. So they'll feel like they've... It's a. It's speaking to the culture that they're slowly building back up there, um, which had gone awry for a couple of seasons. I don't think anyone up there in Brisbane would deny that. Having him back is sort of the cherry on top of that young side that they're building under Kevin Walters, and he's suddenly looking like a serious premiership contender, not this season, but in 2023, certainly. Um, The Broncos will feel as though this is a piece that gets them back to the pinnacle. And Reese is such a talented young player. He's going to be playing Origin for the next decade if he can stay healthy and in form. Yeah, massive loss for the Warriors. And we talk about what trouble the West Tigers are in at the moment. Well, the Warriors, uh, they've got all those same issues and they're compounding by having to go back home and losing a lot of Australian players because of it. It's interesting. Now, if we look at the AFL, they've got an AFL draft system. So clubs like North Melbourne, who have struggled for a couple of years, they will get a number one draft pick. Where in the NRL, the West Tigers, I think now it's 11 years Mm. where they've missed finals. So it's, yeah, it's pretty cool what the AFL and what the NBA do to try and help those younger sides out, all those bottom play sides. But it looks like, you know, North Melbourne is still down well, the bottom. Well, they're having issues. You know, a story out every week at the moment about North Melbourne. Carlton were in that boat for a very long time. Richmond before the premiership push. So, you know, it's not the be-all and end-all, the draft. You can certainly build through there, but then retaining those players, GWS found that difficult at the start of yeah. their life in the AFL. So um, it's not something we'll ever see in the NRL um, because yeah. of what has happened in the past. But um, certainly... It's interesting to compare the two sports and have a look at that for sure. Now, Al, you are going off to the AFL tomorrow night, the Sydney Swans versus the Western Bulldogs. You'll be able to hear that on AFL Nation tomorrow night. How many uh, Swans games do you get to a year? I'm generally out of four or five a year, Gibbo. I get out when work allows. I enjoy my Swans games. I was out at Buddy's thousandth goal earlier in the year against the Cats. Fantastic atmosphere that night, fantastic occasion. What a wonderful um, player he's been both for, you know, I grew up 
despising Buddy Franklin, playing against him in grand finals for Hawthorne, and he was this mercurial talent. And to have him playing in Sydney colours has just been a, a roller coaster ride for the last eight, nine seasons. And um, what he does for the, you know, Sydney, just as Melbourne need to be in the NRL, they need to be winning. Yeah. Because um, you're obviously competing in a market that is not familiar with your sport, but what Buddy has done for AFL up here, um, and it was funny because he was in a push and pull, wasn't he, when he came up about going to the, the new giant, the new GWS Giants as they were then, Sydney coming in with an 11th hour bid, managing to sign him for 10 seasons. And it's, you know, as Lockett did at the start of the Swans organisation, as that winning culture did under Paul Roos through the mid-2000s, it just means that the, the flame is alive in Sydney and that the AFL has some foothold. I wonder that that same effect that Tony Lockett and Buddy Franklin had in Sydney, do you think Dusty Martin is that same type of player? GWS have had their issues. Mm. Israel Folau was one of their marquee buyers to try and spur on a bit of support. Now, it looks like Dusty Martin has been given the green light by Richmond to perhaps look around. He spent some time up here. Do you think Dusty Martin could be that superstar? If Sydney are not looking at him, then they're not doing their due diligence. Yeah. Um, it's well known that he enjoys being up here out of the fishbowl. We talk about uh, the media up here in the NRL, Gibbo. I don't think we quite understand the fishbowl that Melbourneians live in in terms of their AFL. Um, certainly our texters will be able to attest to that. And to have that cut through up here... Yeah. But also to give Dustin that freedom that he apparently craves, I think it's a, certainly a bit of recruiting that would make sense on the Swans' behalf. And, again, we're looking for, you know, who's taking over the mantle from Buddy? You know, who's yeah. taking over the mantle from Barry Hall before him and Tony Lockett? We, we need that star power up here. And Dustin Martin is the, as Buddy was when he came up here, he's the biggest name in... Australian rules football at the moment. So having him up in Sydney, I think the Swans, not only do they want it, they need it. Well, I guess we'll, uh, that all remains to be seen now. Al, thank you for your Pleasure. efforts tonight. Enjoy your weekend, buddy, and uh, go the Swans, I Enjoy suppose. Enjoy the next three and a half hours, my son. Enjoy. Pleasure to be with you. Well, we're going to take another break here on the overnight crowd. There is plenty more still to come. Now, after midnight, I'm going to replay out my chat I had with Nick Davis, Sydney Swans legend, played for the Pies. We're going to review round, uh, preview round 17 of the AFL. But as always, you can get into contact here, 0433 16. Let me know your thoughts of this top-of-the-table clash down in Victoria and if... You support the NRL as well. Are the Melbourne Storm in a bit of strife? As I said, later on, we're going to chat to Brett Phillips on Wimbledon. Nick Kyrgios, how far can he go? We're going to speak to Adam Collins from Sri Lanka to preview the second test in Gaul just after this break. You're listening to The Overnight Crowd.
Welcome back to the Overnight Crowd on SEN. My name is Nathan Gibbons. I'm filling in for Phil Pryor. Unfortunately, he is down with the flu. I'll be taking you through for the next three and a bit hours. So 3 a.m. in the eastern states, 5 a.m. over in the west. It is 11.37 as we edge closer to midnight, edge closer to 10 on the west coast. Big victories tonight in the AFL. Geelong got it done against the Melbourne Demons. In the NRL, the Cronulla Sharks have taken care of the Melbourne Storm. Melbourne Storm, two straight losses. But no pressure on a championship side. Now, you can get into contact with us here at the overnight crowd. 0433-981116. Let me know your thoughts on the AFL. Clayton Oliver. How long has he gone for? Please let me know or give us a call. 1300 736 736. It's a massive weekend of sport ahead. Wimbledon is coming to a close. Nick Kyrgios, just how far can he go? Rafael Nadal awaits him. We're going to chat to Brett Phillips. I know he is... He's the everywhere man on SEN, but we'll have a chat with him just to see how far he can go. Adam Collins to preview the second test in Sri Lanka. What do you think of Basball? I liked... I really did enjoy Steve Smith's comments during the week saying, well, it's all well and good to be playing Basball in England. But, but what's going to happen when you do it on a green seamer in Australia with Stark, Hazelwood, Cummings... It's definitely going to be interesting. So, yeah, we'll chat to Adam Collins a bit later on from Sri Lanka. But right now, we're going to go to the call line. It looks like Margaret from Sunbury's there. Margaret, hello. Good evening. Or is, or is it morning? Yeah, no, still evening. Still evening. Yeah, still evening. Oh, I'm good, Nathan. Uh, uh, welcome to the overnight crowd. Thank you. We have got some sporting on our on our part, haven't we? Um I'll begin with the storm. I think they'll come good. I don't think they'll uh, have too many losses. I, they're a pretty good side and having a bit of bad luck at the moment, but I think they'll come good. Don't know a lot about rugby, but I'll, I follow the storm every now and then. Now, football, Melbourne, pretty good side. Yep. Very good side. Geelong, I think, is just as good, and they'll have a tussle on their hands. They should have won by a lot more goals than what they won with the points they kicked as well as the goals. So they're going to be a threat. Uh, and a couple of other teams might be a threat too. Uh, other sport, well, we've got Kyrgios yep. and Nadal. Nadal has been my absolute favourite for years. But being an Aussie, I have to go for Kyrgios. Hope he's a good boy and 
does what he's supposed to do. <laughs> he's probably one of the best tennis players on the circuit at the moment. I, I think his serve is brilliant, yeah. absolutely brilliant. Now, brilliant. M- Margaret, were you a little bit torn for a chance, for a possibility there was going to be Nick Kyrgios versus Alex Dimonor? Would you have been torn? Who would you have gone with in a situation like that? I went for Nick. I went for Nick Kyrgios. Yep. I thought, you know, he's, he's in a very good mood at the moment, and that's what it all boils down to: his moods. It's how he how he wants to play. For sure. If he's in the mood, he'll play brilliant. And I thought he had a jolly good chance, just like I think he's got a jolly good chance against Nadal, although I think Nadal's injured. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's going to be the... Uh, it's the big question mark at the moment, isn't it? Just to see how... I think that was four and a half hours, Rafael Nadal, in his last match, just to see how yeah. that body got through it. But, yeah. look, it's a great opportunity for Nick Kyrgios. The first Aussie since Leighton Hewitt in 05 to make the final four of a Grand Slam. Now, Margaret, who do you barrack for in the AFL? Carlton. Carlton. It's, it's been a massive year for Carlton, hasn't it? But we've had a great year. And you know what, Nathan, if they didn't go much further, I would not be disappointed. They've had a, they've had a ripper year and pleased me no end. Yep. Uh, I, think, I don't think they'll go on to be premiers. But if they get further... They will give them a shake. Don't worry. They'll, they'll put, have, if they keep fit, they'll, they'll give them a shake. But this other team is better than them at the moment. Well, yeah, uh, it looks like um, Carlton and their traditional rivals, Collingwood, are jostling for the oh. top of the bottom eight. Of bottom of the top eight. What do you think of the Pies' chances this year, Margaret? I think it's pretty good, too. I think they're doing very well, and I think Frio are doing very well. There's there's a a bit of competition out there this year. It's not all one-way track. And so this is what I said. Melbourne's a good side, uh, a great side, but I think they'll have a bit of competition with Geelong, Frio, uh, even Collingwood. And I said if Carlton get up there, they'll give them a little bit of a shake. But... uh, (laughs) We'll see. And what about the Tour de France? Well, an Aussie. How about that overnight? Clark. Simon Clark. What a a good finish. But it's a gruelling race, and I don't see why they have to have ride the bicycles on those cobblestones. Yeah. I think that's a ridiculous segment. I mean, their bike tyres are like razor blades, and they're riding on that... Stupid cobblestones. Oh, well, no. if we're I, gonna... I love it. I, I tour the world at the moment with the Tour de France. Yeah. That's my holiday. Well, I, I always it was always fraught with danger putting on SBS late at night, but the Tour de France has always been great viewing. Now, we're talking about Aussies doing well overseas. Have you heard of a name called James Webb, Margaret? No. Okay, well, James Webb... Webb was the first Australian ever at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Oh, yes, I did see it. I did see it. I watched. I did see it. Oh, my goodness me. So... Oh, in, in, fact, in fact, I had to turn away because I couldn't stand watching him. So, Margaret, <laughs> how about this? 41 hot dogs in 10 minutes to finish third. Oh. The first time an Australian has ever gone into this co- 
contest. Now, look, he, he was battling the goat of a hot dog eating, Joey Chestnut. Now, is that a name that gets thrown around your household very often, Margaret? No, not very often. Not very often. But James no. Webb, there, remember that name because I think he's got a very bright future in the hot dog eating world. <laughs> you know what, Nathan? I wouldn't like that title. <laughs> no, no. Well, 41 hot dogs in 10 minutes, that would be hard to do. It was, just, it, was, it was awful to watch. I turned away, actually. I thought, oh, my goodness, I can't watch him push them in his mouth. <laughs> it, was, it was all horrible. I, I, I did watch it. I did watch it. I, I watch all those things and uh, have a little bit of everything. And uh, so... I've got That's another one for you, Margaret. For tonight, I've got one more thing just before you go, Margaret, and I do yep. appreciate you calling through on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. What about the Hockey Roos? Have you heard of their exploits at the moment? Yes. Yes. They are through. I haven't... Yep. Yes, go ahead. So they are through to the quarterfinals of the Women's World Cup after beating South Africa 2-1. Now, it was the first goal they conceded in the whole tournament. So they'll yeah. be playing in the quarters next Wednesday. And we haven't well, had this title. Watching. Oh, Margaret, you're solid. You're I'll solid. be watching. I love the Hockeroos. I think they're brilliant. That's the sort I like. I don't like all-girls sport. Yeah. But I do like hockey. I do like the, the soccer. And, of course, I do like tennis and netball. I... I um, admire the girls that play football, but I worry a little bit about that one. I think there's other sports for them to play. But I do like the hockeroos. And you know what, Nathan, if I come back to the next world as something, I want to come back as Sam Kerr and do those backflips oh, when I kick the goal. <laughs> she is absolutely unbelievable. Margaret, thank you so much for your time tonight and in the early hours. Look, you can give us a call on 1300 736 736, Margaret? I did give you a call on 1300 736 736, yes. Perfect. Hey, Margaret, have a lovely night and have a lovely weekend. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you. Bye for now. You are listening to the Overnight Crowd on the SEN app and all across the SEN network. Like Margaret, you can get into contact with us here Give us a text, 0433981116. We have got plenty of your thoughts on the text line. I do, I do want to get to the bottom of this. The top eight clash between Geelong and the Melbourne Demons. Clayton Oliver, he'll, he's off for scans tomorrow on that hand. Best case scenario, he'll miss a week. Worst case scenario, that could be six to eight weeks. Look, we'll try and get to the bottom of what happens here. Did you hear Boris Johnson has resigned? Let us know your thoughts. I want to know your thoughts and everything. We've got plenty coming up. Nick Davis will be with us after midnight to preview the rest of the AFL matches this week. Brett Phillips to chat through Wimbledon. Adam Collins for cricket. But we're going to take a break, and I'll be back on the other side of this. You're listening to The Overnight Crowd. Call us anytime, one 736 736 or tweet us at Overnight Crowd. Yeah, you're listening to The Overnight Crowd with Nathan Gibbons on SEN on the app and all across the SEN network. Now, we're going to go back to the phone lines. Steve from Altona's there. Steve, hello. 
Hey, Nathan, how, how are we going? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Well, what did you think of the top of the table clash tonight between Geelong and the Dees? Yeah, I thought it was a really good game. Uh, had a real finals feel about it. A lot of contested footy, a lot of pressure and tackling. So, um, yeah, being a Geelong fan, I, I was pretty happy with the result in the end. And now, mate, surely, surely when you beat one of the premiership heavyweights, you think you might be going all the way. Have you bought your tickets to the grand final yet? <laughs> oh, we don't get too carried away. Uh, but, yes, um, hoping this, this can be the year. Been yeah. so close for uh, for a while now. So, um, What did you think of yeah, the performance? Really... What did you think of the performance of Jeremy Hawkins? I've... As I said earlier, I'm a casual fan of the AFL. I feel like that guy's been around forever. Tommy Hawkins? Yeah, Tommy Hawkins, sorry. Yeah, yeah, tonight. Um, probably didn't have one of his better games, but still was influential. Like, that goal he kicked in the last quarter was uh, pretty huge, I thought. Yeah. Well, it was, it was really close leading into that final term at one stage... Uh, the D's are only behind by five points, and then the Cats got away got away from them there with three goals. Mate, any other games you're looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, I reckon the Swans and the Doggies tomorrow should be a good game. Uh, be pretty wet up in Sydney, I reckon. So uh, uh, the rain has sort of slowed off today, and it looks like it's going to be a little drier tomorrow. So I know the SDG surface is always in top notch. So we'll see how it goes there. But have you got an early tip yeah, for us, exactly. Steve? Swans at home, normally pretty tough to beat, but wouldn't surprise me if, if the doggies doggies get up. So I might I might go with the dogs on a close one. And mate, what about Nick Kyrgios taking on Rafael Nadal? Do you have a do you have a side there? Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Um got it back in our boy Nick. For Especially sure. with Nadal carrying a bit of an injury. So let's hope Nick um, can get across the line because, uh, yeah, geez, that'd be exciting for him to be in a Wilburn and final. Well, Steve, mate, thank you for the call on the overnight crowd. Go the Geelong and hopefully, mate, you get your tickets yep. to the grand final. And Nick Kyrgios, hey, have a good night, mate. Go cat. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. That wraps up the first hour here on the Overnight Crowd. We are edging towards midnight on the East Coast and 10 o'clock on the West Coast. On the other side of this break, we'll chat to Nick Davis. You're listening to the Overnight Crowd. night crowd you are with nathan gibbons around the sen network and i've got a treat for you now guys we've got a premiership winner in the afl and trust me every time you talk to him he does mention that prelim final up against geelong cats we're going to chat to nick davis here for a round 17 preview nick mate you're there Give i'm here how are you mate i'm i'm doing good i'm just struggling to stay awake because i've been up for way too long but look mate at this time of night it's great to have you company. 
mate. I'm sure I'm sure some of the uh, your uh, your loyal listeners out there driving uh, trucks up and down the highway, they might be able to give you a few pointers of some ways to uh, keep yourself alert and awake. Well, where I got a few whacks on the text line, Nick, about you know not talking too much AFL. Obviously, being from Sydney, rugby league is my bread and butter. But you're one of those guys who you're fifty fifty, aren't you? Yeah, I'm 50-50. Uh, I grew up in, in Cronulla, uh, played the game of AFL, but no, I'm very 50-50. But there's got to be some people out there that have uh, south of the border, north of the border that enjoy the AFL. You, well, you've got to be able to enjoy all sports. So if we can talk some AFL for five or ten minutes, that'll keep everyone happy. How good, mate. And look, I guess we'll get started. Obviously, that was a big match on tonight. But we'll look towards tomorrow night. Now, you're involved in the Sydney Swans. A very good clash. Sydney Swans up against the Western Bulldogs. Both sides just outside of the eight trying to get a look in. And I believe you'll be out there for AFL Nation? Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, AFL Nation uh, calling the game at the SCG tomorrow night. Yeah, it is a big one. Uh, Both sides just at the edge of the eight there. The Swans on 36 points and... The dogs a win behind uh, on 32, so uh, the, the cliche can roll out the the eight point game where the Swans can, if the Swans can get over the top of the Western Bulldogs, they get themselves a little bit of breathing space at eight. So uh, it's a big game. A couple of changes for the Swans, uh, but the Bulldogs come in uh, in, in not too bad form. Uh, it, uh, probably apart from their last game where they went up to Brisbane and they got beat by 41 points. But all in all. Look, the dogs will be looking for a back-end run throughout this season and they want to start by knocking off the Swanee. Well, I mean, it's pretty tough to go up to the Gabba this year, isn't it? So, look, 40 points. We'll see how they go this week. But, look, uh, the Bulldogs are going to get back Tim English and Ed Richards, so they're going to get some troops back. But, mate, you're in the Swans bubble. Buddy Franklin playing his 150th game for the Swanee. Surely it's a game that it's going to galvanise the team? Yeah, Swans and all, they've been pretty good at um, at the milestone game and look for Bud to be able to play 150 games. Uh, as a Swans player, it's a, it's a big achievement. Um, we, we know that there's been plenty more uh, achievements that he's had in his career, but uh, look, as, as, look, the career might be winding down. If you can keep knocking up the, the achievements, he'll be really happy. So, look, yeah, look, I think the Swans would be... More importantly, looking for that four points to, to solidify their spot in the eight. But yeah, if they can uh, if they can chair butt off again, uh, he's been chaired off a few times. So hopefully everyone doesn't run on the field though. We, well, yeah, we'll definitely be tuning into AFL Nation tomorrow night from the SCG. Then looking ahead to Saturday, Davo, one of your other former sides, the Collingwood Magpies, up against the uh, the North Melbourne Kangaroos now. If I'm sort of reading this correctly, North Melbourne are in the doldrums, are they not? Yeah, they're the um, they're a full brother to the West Tigers at the moment. If yeah, you're talking in um, in horse racing terms, um, and, and probably look even the Gold Coast. I think maybe off the field, Gold Coast have got a bit going for them. But uh, look, North Melbourne, look, they they've really been struggling. Um, it, it's unfortunate. There's a bit of talk around town. They always get um, paired up with the talk of a Tasmanian team and whether they should be relocated down there. But on the Collingwood side of it, they're they're sitting in sixth position and uh, they had a really good win against Gold Coast Suns last week. And if they can go back and, as they should, take care of look the Kangaroos who were 100-point loss to Geelong last week at Geelong, which can happen quite easily. So 
the Collingwood faithful will be pretty keen to again uh, push for push for top four. Uh, um, if I'm remembering correctly, Craig McRae, who's the Collingwood's coach, is his first year this year? Yeah, first year in charge. Uh, he took over from Bucks, uh, Nathan Buckley and, and Robert Harvey, who was interim. Um, he's done a really good job. Um, the young draft picks, uh, Nick Dacos has been outstanding. Jack Ginevan's yeah. been a, a live wire. He's been in, in and out of the media for, for all the good... Jordan Dugowie, another person that's yeah, wow. been uh, in and out of the media a fair bit. So if they can, if they can um, look, harness their troops down there, the Collingwood... Faithful, they've got a very big supporter base. I know that all too well, and they um, they can they can really instill some confidence in a young group. And and this group might not be dissimilar to the 2002 side that I played in that went all the way to a grand final. So um, look, bright uh, bright future ahead for Collingwood, and, and might even be this season. And what about North, Davo? Now I know in the AFL they get top draft picks, don't they? If they finish bottom of the ladder. Yeah, yeah, similar to NBA, NFL, and um, Jason Horn Francis was the number one pick. He's he's been you know, probably North Melbourne's best player throughout the yeah. season. And um, if you pick a kid that that's sort of not from uh, not from Melbourne or Victoria, and then um, you've got him for two years, and they want to walk out the door, it sort of doesn't really help you that much. Um, yeah, there's a few other things that that you need to get right in list management um, and and being able to attract. Uh, middle tier and, and, and top tier established players to your club, which the Kangaroos um, really sort of haven't been able to do that the last few years, and uh, it's left them where they are. The, the coach David Nobles is a very good coach, uh, but look, there's a, there's a few other things there that, are, that probably aren't quite right at North Melbourne at the moment. And then going on to another side who sort of struggled historically, the Gold Coast Suns. But, I mean, from what I've seen of their results, they've been not playing too badly. They take on the Richmond Tigers now. Huge news. Uh, looks like Dusty Martin, who played a little bit last week, he is out of this clash? Yeah, he was subbed out of the game last week. Um, he doesn't look like his old self, uh, Dusty. He was a bit prickly with the media during the week as well. And look, if you read in between the lines, at Richmond, um, that this could, you know, be his last season at the club. And I, 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 Damien Hardwick spoke about it a few weeks ago. That, that I, I, I think he said that he he'll let him go with his best wishes. And I think if if what Dusty Martin's been able to do for Richmond over the last decade has been nothing short of um, outstanding. So um, I, I don't think it'll be a, a a bitter split at all. Hopefully for the Tigers, they can do some damage in the finals. They're sitting in seventh spot and aren't too bad. So, look, they'll be happy for Dusty to come back and help them in the back end of the year. But for the Gold Coast Suns, Shui Jew, I think, signed a new two-year extension to his contract, which is a a, a good sign of um, that the the club at the Gold Coast are, are liking what he's doing and, and where the Gold Coast Suns are trending. So this is another one, seventh versus 11th, um, for, for Gold Coast to be able to you know, hang on to that top eight spot in Richmond to to hold their spot in the eight. Well, it'd be huge for the Gold Coast, right, to get into that top eight. Obviously, there's a bit of a log jam around that eighth position, but we'll see how they go. Moving on to St Kilda versus Freo. Uh, look, two of these. Uh, Freo struggling this year, was it? Uh, Freo, no, Freo are flying. Freo, uh, they're, they're, they're fourth, and they're, they've probably been uh, been the one that have made the, the biggest leap position uh, there. Um, their, their young brigade has been really good. Nat Fife has come back into the team the last couple of weeks. Uh, it, 
look, he's probably not playing the the position and the and the way he played two years ago. But they don't really need that, and he's um, he's filling a role uh, in that side up against St Kilda, who were uh, who I said, again for AFL Nation. I called the game against Sydney two weeks ago, and they were they were very poor. They they kicked two goals up until three quarter time, and then last week with a couple of big ins, uh, they came in uh, and they they blew the side away. So. It is again when you're talking the the AFL ladder at the moment, um, fourth versus ninth, only a couple of wins separate these sides, and uh, again it's another big clash. And then another the later game on Saturday night, Port Adelaide up against the GWS Giants. Now Port are still in with a shot at the top eight, and the Giants not a great year for them, Davo. <laughs> no, look, it's been um, it's been a tough year for the Giants. Uh, Leon Cameron. Um, who was uh, who resigned during the year? Uh, they're on twenty points. Uh, they're 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 too far away. But look, Port Adelaide, um, they're they're still a shot. They're on their uh, what are they? Two wins outside the eight. Um, maybe two and a half wins outside the eight with with Gold Coast. <coughs> um, they got a real good opportunity. They started zero and five. Uh, so for them to claw their way back to to a position to still be in sight of, of eighth position. There's been a good job for Ken Hinckley and, and his team over there. It, it's going to be an issue. Like, uh, the GWS have been pretty good, but I think at Adelaide Oval, I think Port Adelaide will probably be too good, given the fact that they've still got finals on their mind. David, you mentioned Port at the start of the year were 0-5. Now, you've been a part of a lot of teams. How do you turn that around? Like, because it's a pretty big jump to then be on a chance at finals with, what, seven rounds remaining? Yeah, it is. Uh, look, there, there was a few things. Look, probably coming off last year, they were preliminary finalists last year. They had the Brownlow medalists, and maybe they thought that they were just going to be able to roll in and, and things uh, would happen again. But uh, it's taken them a little while to, to get into the season, obviously not winning a game for the first month and a bit. Uh, but they've, they've played some pretty good footy. Uh, they've been able to find... A couple of different avenues to go. Uh, Marshall down there has been good. Charlie Dixon, their their keys have been not too bad. So they they still give themselves a chance. Adelaide Oval is very hard to play uh, and go over there and play and win against Port Adelaide. So uh, if they can get this one and a, and a few of the results up in front of them turn out the right way, look, they they, they can't drop too many on the way home. Port being 0 and 5 at the start of the year, but. Um, with that home ground advantage, they're a chance. Well, they've got a tough run in the next couple of weeks, taking on Melbourne and Geelong. As we look ahead to Sunday, Nick, the Brisbane Lions up against the Essendon Bombers. Now, Brisbane have had a bit of a fortress up there at the Gabba, and then the Bombers coming off a win against the Swans last week. Yeah, look, the Bombers um, uh, went to Perth and and then come back to uh, the MCG and uh, they they started a bit sluggishly. I think they were four goals behind the Swans in the first quarter, and then they they ground their way back. And as for them, it was a it was a really good win. And and the Lions, uh, they do bully sides up there at the Gabba. Uh, Forty one points it was uh, last week against the Western Bulldogs, who are probably a, a, a step ahead of Essendon at the moment. So uh, you'd like to think that um, that the Lions would be able to get that done. Well, or they're going to be aided by, uh, not aided, sorry, Daniel Rich and Dane Zorko have both been ruled out due to injury. So we'll see how that plays out on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the middle game on Sunday, Hawthorne up against the Adelaide Crows. The Battle of the Birds, Nick. The Battle of the Birds. The Battle of I'm the Birds, sure. if we can well, say that. It, 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 yeah, if you're doing stupid booty tipping and you just went, would a horse beat a crow? I'm not sure. It probably would. So if you 
if you're not real sure, if you flip the coin here, if you think who's going to win, I think probably a Hawk would beat a Crow in a fight. So yeah, if absolutely. You to, uh, if you want to lock that into your footy tips, go the Hawks. But look, two sides that are, yeah, I, I think their, their list and where they are probably um, sits pretty right at 14th and 15th. But they're, they're definitely, um, if, if their arrow is, is, is trending up, uh, Hawks with plenty of ins this week. I think they've got six or seven ins. Uh, and the crows have got about the same, um, so there, there's plenty of um, plenty of new faces in both sides for for this game. Obviously, the the benches will get cut down over the weekend, but I think both of these sides would be, as I said, 14th and 15th on the ladder, but uh, with their arrows trending up. Dave, we'll round out the weekend with the West Coast Eagles up against the Carlton Blues. Now, I will admit I'm a bit of a casual AFL fan, but Carlton traditionally haven't been that great? No, they have not. And they've traditionally, if they've got themselves in this position in a season, uh, stumbled their way to, to ninth or tenth position. But right. at the moment, they've uh, they've got a really strong midfield. Uh, they they got George Hewitt from the Sydney Swans last year, who I've got plenty, I've had plenty of time for. I've worked with him a lot, who's, who's a fantastic midfielder. He's helped Patrick Cripps uh, and the like down there. But probably their their big guns is is big, big Harry Mackay and 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 Kerno in their forward line. Um, they what they've been able to do those two guys uh, has been um, has been really really good uh, uh, for me. And I know a couple of friends of mine at Carlton. So this is the game. I think if they can, I think if they can get through this one, if they can win this, uh, Carlton. I think if they win this one. Then the next, the following week, look, they get the tough run, then they get Geelong, uh, yeah. and then they get the Giants. So I think there's a couple of games in the next sort of month that they can, and then they get Adelaide. If they can get this one, they, look, they'll be a tough game against Geelong. I think it's down in Geelong. I, I think they're going to be able to do enough to Blue Baggers to get into the finals and, and look out if they do. They're, again, like Collingwood, a big supporter base, traditional AFL club, and if the Carlton's if the Carlton Footy Club can make their way into the finals, it's going to be a big one. Are we a chance at a Carlton Collingwood match in the final, Nick? Oh, How would that be? Absolutely, I could. I can nearly see them uh, playing um, in that bottom half of the eight, the first week of the finals, maybe sixth and seventh or, or uh, fifth and eighth. Um, but they, I, I think they might be able to to come across each other in the first week of the finals, and that'd be. A genuine 90,000 at the MCG, the AFL, would be absolutely wrapped if that happened. So you spent a couple of years at the Magpies. What was those occasions like as a player, Nick, playing against Carlton? I could imagine there was plenty of stick coming. Yeah, there was. And and it it was one of the ones where a lot of the the Collingwood fans and the old Collingwood players would tell you how much that game meant. And um, it was a, 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 a pretty big rivalry. And I sort of had my own family rivalry, my... Dad played in some uh, grand finals at Collingwood and, and got beat by Carlton. So I knew about the Collingwood-Carlton rivalry um, a, a long time before uh, I, I made my journey to the AFL. And it, it's one of those ones where, as I said, both both supporter. Um, it, it, it's it's roosters. It's roosters rabbit. It's, yeah. it's that sort of. It's um, it's a it's a big rivalry in Melbourne. Uh, and yeah, it's it's. It, if the AFL could have it, they'd want Collingwood to play Carlton. If not, either one of those sides to play Richmond. And there's a fair chance that the AFL are going to get at least one of those matchups. 
in the first week of the finals. Well, how good, mate. It sounds like a cracker of a round in the AFL. But just before I let you go, mate, uh, you mentioned earlier on about Dusty Martin and, you know, he had his words with the media this week. Where do you think, if he was to come up to Sydney, how popular would he be up here, do you think? Uh, Look, I think he'd be popular, but I I think he would understand. And um, I I think in his his time off during the the early part of this season, he's he spent some time up here um, doing some training down down in the in God's country in the in the Shire, and he <laughs> um, he look, the the anonymity that would just he'll be able to walk around like he'll be popular, but he, he's no bigger name than Lance Franklin and, and or James Tedesco or any of that. You can get around Sydney, uh, you can mind your own business. People up here have got more important things to do in their life than than to hassle a, a big name sports person. So. I think if he was to um, to come to Sydney, it would it would fit sort of what he'd be looking for and, and what and where he was at in, in in life. Well, I suppose we'll see how that situation plays out. Look, being from Sydney, I hope to see Dusty Martin running around, but we'll see how that goes. Now, Nick, before I let you go, I know I said it just before, but what have you got lined up for the weekend? Mate, I am. Uh, I've got the under sixteen Swans Academy off to Tasmania this weekend. We're uh, we got our last game, so. Unfortunately, I will not be a Saturday morning mower, which is uh, which oh, that's is a shame. Which is disappointing for all, but uh, I will definitely be tuning in. So, no, I'm off to Tasmania this weekend uh, with the uh, with the young Swan side. So, is that a final, mate, or is it just a um, just a yeah, exhibition match? Yeah, it's the last match? game. It's the uh, no, it's the under 16s um, national championships division two. So, we're um, with the we're up at the Gold Coast last week playing Northern Territory. So. Just uh, the the AFL talent pathway, um, just working their way through their age groups. Well, Nick, if we don't see you or hear from you this weekend, you might come back next week, and it's the Saturday Morning Mowers Club with Adam Peacock and Nathan Gibbons. So, hey, thank you for being my guest. I hope the Victorians... Yep. I was going to say, I'm not happy... Hey, baby steps, mate, baby steps. Yeah, I know. Look, you do. One day you're doing 11 till 3. Next day you're doing 9 till 12 on a Saturday morning. But, Nick, mate, I do really appreciate you coming on. And hopefully all you guys out there down in Victoria and across the SEN network enjoyed a bit of AFL chat. No worries, mate. Enjoy. What a legend. Nick Davis, uh, Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN up in Sydney and all across Queensland. He's a co-host there, and of course you do hear him for AFL Nation for all the Sydney games. Now, we've had a lot of correspondence on the text line, 0433 I do really appreciate all the texts. Uh, we've had a lot come through on the Sydney line as well. I do really appreciate that, guys. Uh, Rooster Man, this one's for you. Cool-wee! I'll just get to a text here from Troy in North Fitzroy, or Fitzroy North, Good morning. How are you going? This does not happen often, but both Melbourne sides got beaten on a Thursday night, NRL and AFL. Has it ever happened before? Just curious. Troy, thanks for the question, Troy. I've gone digging. Now, the last time that would have happened... Now, it's a bit tough in the AFL because of what there's... I think there's eight or so sides in Melbourne. So there's obviously going to be a few teams losing at once. Uh, Round three in the NRL, which was on a Thursday night... The Melbourne Storm lost 12-10 to Penrith. And then on that same night, Carlton lost to Collingwood 106-85. to So I'm not sure if that answers your question, 
But yes, it did happen. The first two weeks of the AFL season in 2021. Now, if you go back a couple of years, the NRL traditionally didn't play a game on Thursday night. And and if I if I'm guessing correctly, I'm pretty sure that's the same in the AFL. Thanks for your text, Troy. Uh, keep them coming through. Uh, Dean, as well, has been on the text line, which, again, I'm going to keep repeating. It's 0433 98 11 16. I would love your calls. Thank you, Margaret, who got into touch earlier. 1300 736 This is from Dean. Just give Penrith Panthers the cup now. I can't see anyone beating them. Um, Penrith Panthers are leading the NRL. They won the title last year. It does look like a two-horse race, but Melbourne have dropped two games on the trot. But I, I do think, Dean, it's a bit too early to call. We'll see how... So for our listeners across the country over in the West and down in Victoria and South Australia, a lot of the New South Wales origin side are based up of Penrith Panther players. Penrith Panthers are one of the better teams in the competition, but we'll see how they get through origin. So, Dean, thank you for your text. But I'm not too sure it's that easy yet, but we'll see how we go. They are a tremendous side, and I won't be riding off the Melbourne Storm just yet. Uh, Elk Summer from Port Douglas has been on the text line. Margaret, I'm sorry to say, but I'm hearing from a very good source within the walls at Carlton that Dean Kent will be a blue in 2023 in exchange for deconing. Elk Summer from Port Douglas. Now... That's uh, Tom DeConing, I think you're talking of there. His nickname's also The King. So we'll see how that plays out. We've got another text here. Oscar from Caulfield North. Cat should be flag favourites after beating a full-strength Melbourne outfit tonight. Max Holmes' performance was underrated. Oscar, thank you for your text there. Look, continue the correspondence. I do love it. I love the hate. I, I love the love. I do appreciate it all. Michael, you've been you've been on the text all night. And I, and I do like this one here. I'm a power supporter. We lost eight games by under two goals, so we haven't been too far away. Michael, I, I did also get your text about Jeremy Hawkins. I, I did. Steve from Altona. I did mention Jeremy Hawkins. I think that's because I was thinking of a Jay Hawkins. Now, now I think that could have been either Jennifer Hawkins... Or Jeremy Hawkins, you played lower grades at the Melbourne Storm, but thank you for pulling me up. 0433 98 11 16. You can keep texting me throughout the night. You can call me 1300 736 736. Now, we turn our attention to Wimbledon. Nick Kyrgios, he is the last Aussie standing in the draw in the singles. We'll chat to Brett Phillips. On the other side of this break, to see how far he can go. And Rafael Nadal, how is he bouncing back from that four-and-a-half-hour marathon match? I'll be with you on the other side of this break. You're listening to The Overnight Crowd. Call us anytime, one 736 736 or tweet us at Overnight Crowd. That's full. I traveled each and every highway and more, much more than this. Yeah, welcome back to the overnight crowd on SEN through the SEN app 
and all across the SEN network. It is time to go to our man, the doyen of tennis, Brett Phillips, and we'll do that thanks to Yonex, 76 years of performance tennis product crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at yonex.com. BP, come in. Thank you, Gibbo. Sending, uh, sending sharp, I've got to say. Uh, I did do your shift about 14 years ago when I started at uh, SEN, and uh, it's, it's actually, you know what, it's a brilliant time of the, uh, the night to work because... Anything can happen. Well, that's radio, full stop. But uh, the world is wide awake. There's lots of um, Australia that's wide awake at this time, and I'm trying to stay awake. I've got to say, I've got a big night of uh, tennis ahead of me. But, yeah, we can bring you the news uh, that uh, Jabeur, what a story. Uh, the first ever African woman to make a Grand Slam uh, final in the history of tennis. Uh, she has been a, a real trailblazer for her country over the last three or four years up there right in the north of Africa. And uh, she's been building and building and building and now has become a legitimate top 10 player, came into this major as the third seed. She's got a, a beautiful brand of tennis that's different. Uh, it's not all that firepower and pace and trying to belt the cover off the ball. She uses all sorts of different shots and creativity. It's almost like Tunisia's version of Ash Barty, which uh, you know, we sorely miss from tennis here. But, uh, yeah, great effort to get past uh, Tatiana Maria. That would have been an absolute fairy tale if Maria had won today as a 34-year-old mum of two who's had so many first-round exits at the slams and, yeah, somehow she's made a semi uh, that we could not have predicted pre-tournament. So, yeah, on Jabir through and uh, the second semi coming up uh, very shortly between uh, Simona Hallett, of course, two-time Grand Slam champion, won Wimbledon back in 2019 up against uh, Elena Rybakina uh, from Kazakhstan, who took down Isla Tomlanovic in the last round. So uh, that should be a beauty. And then, of course, we'll have the Aussies in the mixed doubles final today. Matt's, uh, Matt Ebden and uh, Sam Stoza hey. uh, trying to add some more silverware to her, her career. BP, how is the uh, tennis prowess of Kazakhstan? It's it's not one you hear every now every now and then, is it? Yeah, what's happened is uh, some of the Russian players actually defect to Kazakhstan because... Uh, there's, um, they're actually quite uh, quite affluent, the Tennis Federation there. And they've got a few more tournaments now that have been played in that part of the world. So a few of the Russian players have sort of defected there. Um, they can get more funding. Yeah. Um, I mean, players, look, <laughs> I lose track sometimes of players changing uh, nationalities. When I mean, there was the doubles player uh, who was from um, uh, Russia who defected to Georgia just before Wimbledon so she could be led into... Uh, Wimbledon apparently just signed a bit of paperwork and all of a sudden she was a Georgian. Uh, not sure if she's going to defect back to Russia, but in that part of the world with the, the Soviet breakup uh, many years ago, um, yeah, players sort of can jump around a little bit. How is, um, has that overshadowed at all pre-tournament? I know Wimbledon banned players from Russia. It, it, once the tournament has started, has that, all that sort of stuff gone away? Or is there still hasn't a even, hasn't of... even, No, not at all. Hasn't even yeah. really... Um, you know, we haven't even thought about it. Once we, once we got into day one in competition and, you know, the crowds are back uh, full house at Wimbledon, the, the centre court uh, roar, the five setters that we've seen, uh, the, the many great storylines that we've seen across uh, the last two weeks, you've just forgotten all about the points. And, and because I think, and the players know too, this is likely to be a one-off. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure in 12 months' time, uh, there'll be a, you know, a different situation with Ukraine and, and the war there. And it's not going to impact any other tournaments. They're not banning the Russians or the, uh, the Belarusian players from uh, competing. So uh, there's still you know, the opportunity to be 
at Wimbledon champion. And when you got that on your CV, it's a bit of a game changer for your life uh, post tennis. So uh, yeah, this is what you know they're playing for, and the prize money you know is still very good. And what one man who will be looking to put a Wimbledon title on his CV, BP, Nick Kyrgios. Now, he has had some sort of tournament both on the court and usually where a lot of the headlines come from, off the court. Now, he has Rafael Nadal tomorrow. Mate, mm. how do you see this one going? Well, I can, I can give you some news that uh, uh, Raph has been out practising in the last uh, couple of hours because obviously he's walked off pretty battered and bruised after a four-hour 41 quarterfinal uh, with the injured uh, abdom- abdominal and also the rib, which gave him some issues at the start of the year. Uh, but he's been out practising serves today and serving OK. So there's every indication he's going to play because there was some talk that, gee, Rafa, is he actually going to get to the start line uh, for this semi-final? And um, he's not one to pull out. He's not one to want to miss matches. So he'll do everything in his power. But he's been training today. and We've seen some footage uh, that he, he looks OK and ready to go. But this is a huge opportunity for Nick. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, a banged-up banged Rafa, a 36-year-old Rafa, yes, he's still playing unbelievable tennis. Uh, and as always for the you know a third major of the year, so there's a lot driving him. But this is a huge opportunity for Nick. So I, I give Nick a huge chance um, as long as he's in the right frame of mind and you know back on centre court, which is different. It's yep. uh, you know more polite and not as raucous as court one. So he's got to uh, you know just settle into the environment there, and uh, anything can happen. I was listening to the Channel Nine coverage the other day when he was on centre court, and they sort of said that was to Nick Kyrgios's detriment that, you know, his brash behaviour is not tolerated there. But once you get to the semi-finals, it's it's go home, surely. Go hard or go Mm. home for Nick Kyrgios. Yeah. Well, he's got to, yeah, he's got to adjust to that. It's a bit like, you know, playing at the Australian Open when they put him out on John Kane Arena where the grand pass holders are who don't have quite the same etiquette as uh, the centre court (laughs) crowd that have got more of the corporates and, you know, uh, the presidential reserve, more of the dignitaries. Uh, it's, a, it's a different type of crowd. So Nick has traditionally fed off that uh, high-energy, um, ballistic sort of crowd. Uh, but here he is with a chance to play in his first-ever Grand Slam final. So I think he just uh, hopefully knuckles down, um, just puts his head down and gets the job done. Uh, I mean, if he serves big and he plays big, he's going to be hard to contend with. Uh, not to say he's going to win, but... You know, it's, uh, it gives him a dance. His strengths are why he is here. And he, as we've said, I mean, many times he probably should have been here well before now, but maybe the penny's dropping at 27 that, uh, hey, I've got a window here to win a slam and let's make the most of it. Well, regardless if you like him or hating, hate him, that will be a match to watch. And then just on yep. the other men's semi final, Novak Djokovic will take on uh, the Brit, Cameron Norrie. Novak tends to always not have the crowd on his side, and I can imagine playing a Brit in a semi-final at Wimbledon. Yeah. Same script, surely. Yeah, won't be many in Novak's corner for this one, <laughs> that's for sure. And yeah, look, Norrie, great, uh, great story, great effort to make a semi. It's a, it's a reward for a lot of hard work. You know, 26, he's been grinding away since he went to a British academy at the age of 16. A uh, long journey around the world uh, to uh, to become a British citizen. And, uh, look, he's uh, just a good, solid pro, you know. You wouldn't say he's got one uh, trademark sort of shot or uh, major strength. He just plays a good brand of tennis and plays the percentages pretty well. But, yeah, to me, I can't see him getting past uh, the brick wall that is uh, Novak Djokovic. He'll be very hard to penetrate through. And if you're down early against uh, Novak... Um, 
Yeah, it's it's generally across his career tough going. He's a generally a good front runner, and he, even though he's dropped a couple of sets during this yeah, tournament, Yannick it's never Sinner. been a cause. Yeah, it's never been a cause for major concern, even when he went two sets down. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was the same, same against Sissi Pass in the final of the French last year. You didn't think he was done. He just reset, started the match again, 0-0, and he uh, went, went to work. Now, BP, just before I let you go, and, mate, I yep. do really appreciate your time here. Can we get a quick tip? Because I know the overnight crowd, just like the run-home crowd across Australia, don't mind a flutter. A tip, uh, well, I think Halep gets through here. Halep, Jabir, final... On Saturday night, uh, I'm leaning towards Simona Halep. I think she looks the goods. I think Kyrgios can beat Nadal. Kyrgios to play Djokovic. I still maintain Djokovic is the man to beat. And I said that at the start of the tournament. I just think he, he's desperate to make some ground on Rafa. Doesn't want to let him get three clear in the Grand Slam battle. And, uh, you know, this is the last one he's probably going to play for the year. So he's um, pulling out all stops. BP, mate, I do really appreciate your time this morning. Enjoy the tennis, and I'm sure we'll chat soon. Right, I'll tell you what my trick was. Uh, orange Powerade and a Kit Kat, and that got me through to about 6am most of those overnight shifts many years ago, mate. It was my trick. I don't drink coffee. Uh, so, yeah, that might be the go. Orange Powerade and a Kit Kat, all up with uh, Novak Djokovic and Simona Hallett. <laughs> BP, you're too kind to us, mate. Enjoy the tennis, and we'll chat soon. Beauty. Thanks, mate. BP there. Brought to us, thanks to Yonex, 76 years of performance. Tennis products crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at yonex.com. Now, guys, I want to know your opinion. Nick Kyrgios, can he get it done? Well, as a list of achievements, if he is able to bring back a Wimbledon title, that will be amazing. Love him or hate him. That match with Rafael Nadal is going to be box office. First semi-final... First semi-final for Nick Kyrgios and Grand Slams. First Aussie since Leighton Hewitt in 2005 to make the final four on the men's side in a Grand Slam. It's Look, it's going to be box office. Uh, Novak Djokovic, as BP said, he'll take on the Brit Cameron Norrie. And BP thinks Novak will be too strong there. Look, we've got plenty to chat about. We've still got heaps to come. We're going to cross over to Sri Lanka to Adam Collins, who heads up the SEN Test cricket team. Australia will take on Sri Lanka in the second test in Gaul. What, what did you make of the first test? Now, I've seen batting collapses in my time, but that Sri Lankan collapse in the second innings was something different. Like I've been saying all night and all morning... You can get into contact with us here. 1300 736 736 is that phone number. 0433 98 11 16 is that text number. But we're going to go back to the phone line. And, and I've, every show on the SEN network has their core group of listeners, the people who text in every show. And, and I believe Michael from Reservoir is one of those. And he's joining us here on the Overnight Crowd. G'day, Michael. Evening. Um, morning, Nathan. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm good, thank you, Michael. How, how did you enjoy the footy tonight? As a uh, neutral, um, yeah, I um, enjoyed the game. I, I thought Geelong were very impressive, especially without um, Tom Stewart. Yep. Yeah. Who, who do you so, barrack yeah, for? They... Who do you barrack for, mate? 
Well, I text you, I'm in before. I'm a Port Adelaide porter. Okay. And I said, yeah, yeah. So we've lost, yeah, um, them games by under two goals. So that really hurts any team, you know, to lose about eight games under two goals. So, yeah, but unfortunately, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I mean, Absolutely. we've had an all right season. We've got some players that are, you know, going to um, be really good, like Todd Marshall, Connor Rosie, Georgie Artis. So, yeah, because we've got older players that are, you know, probably not going to be around the club much longer. So it looks bright for our future. Hey, before I go, I wanted to say, yep. wasn't it poor form, Nathan, um, the British journalist asked oh, Isla about absolutely. Pre- previous relationship with Nick? Yep. I'd, not on. Not on at all, Michael. I'd, it, it's a shame that Nick Kyrgios brings all these headlines with him and when it seeps into other people's other people's press conferences and I mean she did so well to get there and for the first question to be about Nick yeah I thought that was a great behavior Michael what have you thought of Wimbledon so far um yeah no it's been um really good like um of course um it, I think her name's Iga like it Iga, the Polish girl. Yep. Like she, she like won, you know, thirty-seven um, game matches in a row. Yes, like, Wartek, I think. So the pressure was on her, and yep. that girl done well to beat her. Like, so of course in the men's, it's been pretty one-sided. I, I think you know we still got um, Djokovic, um, Nadal around, and Nick's uh, up and comer, of course. Like. You got to remember, Nick Kyrgios beaten um, Djokovic and that when he was 19 years of age. So, sure. and I, I believe Nick's got the fastest serve going out there. And when he serves well, he's um, he can beat um, Djokovic and um, Rafford. So, yeah, it's no, it's been um, really good. And just like Brett was saying, Nick's got to realise now he's on centre court. Yep. And look at the people they got in the crowd there. They got the likes of David Beckham, you know, they got Tom Cruise, you know, all, all the, you know, the big um, names in the movie world and all that. So he's got to behave himself, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, you don't carry... Yes, he... I've been to High Sense Arena before in Melbourne and, of course, the crowd out there are a lot different to a centre court crowd. Yeah, you know, so and Nick, yeah, Brett's right. He thrives off that, so he's just got to tone it down a bit, and yeah, he can get it done. Like he's probably worth a little, you know, um, fifty dollar bet. Oh, you, for sure, you know, just a little one. Yeah, you just never know. Oh, you just never yeah, know. For sure. Hey, Michael. Just yeah, before I know I... you're a rugby side. Um, yeah, you're a rugby arm man, and that's all good. Like I think Troy meant. Um, before in his text, yeah. the Melbourne Demons lost and the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, so I wonder if he meant that. Yeah, no, I think he did, but that, I, that has never happened. So a caveat to it possibly happening is, yeah, I think it was uh, Carlton losing. So uh, uh, oh, to Troy, yeah, yeah. to reply to your text, mate, no, it has never happened. I think, though, a lot of that has to do with AFL and NRL have only just sort of started playing on Thursday night. But, Michael, mate, just one last thing before I let you go. Robbie Williams locked in for the pregame entertainment for this year's AFL. Do you like it or not like it? 
Oh, I don't mind him. Uh, what 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 what's a couple of songs you think he's going to do? Um, probably I'm thinking Better Man. Let me entertain you. Uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. I think you're on the money there. I think you can bet on. Um, oh re- wow. Um, you Michael, know what um, songs that they're <laughs> going to come out with? Michael, I'm sensing you don't mind a little flutter yourself, mate. Oh yeah, I, I don't mind, mate. I, I do all right on um, pun. Um, just for a go, um, yep. Margaret out there from Sunbury, you might know this, Nathan, but she owns a racehorse. Yes, yes, I've heard. Yeah, uh, Margaret's banter. I believe it's going to be racing again soon. So, yeah, I look forward to uh, Margaret's horse um, hopefully winning its first maiden race. Well, Michael, mate, thank you for your call. No problem, Nathan. Mate, good, enough. Um, have good to meet you. Good to you for the first time, mate. Thank you yep. very much, mate. Hey, and go, you. go Port Adelaide, hey? Uh, <laughs> yeah, next year, mate, next year. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. All righty. You are listening to the Overnight Crowd. I, I do appreciate all your love on the text line. 0433 You can get into contact with us here. Rooster Mars has been in contact Gibbo, Nick Kyrgios equals A-grade. Regards, Rooster Mars. So A-grade, pork chop. He carries on like a bit of a pork chop. But look, Rooster Mars, I think you'll agree that when he's playing, you want to watch him. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Thanks for listening. The Overnight Crowd, we have got plenty more to come. You're listening to The Overnight Crowd. You were tuned into on SEN, on the app and all across the SEN network. Now, later today, we've got the second test, Australia versus Sri Lanka. And joining us right now, really privileged and I'm really appreciative of him joining us, Adam Collins, SEN test cricket expert. G'day, Adam. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm, I'm even better because I've just led an Australian Media 11 to victory over the Sri Lanka Media 11 in our... Um, you know, warm up for tomorrow. So we, we're, uh, I suppose, Australia won the Test match last week. We've won today, and I'd expect Australia will win the series two uh, nil wow. this week um, on the basis of what we saw last week. Adam and I, I want to know a little bit more about this media match figures. What sort of position were you playing? <laughs> yeah, well, we we played at a local school, a school that um, is quite a, a quite a lovely one actually in Gaul here, where um, Dan and Jay are the silver. Uh, who else have we got here? That the um, Saranga Lakmal, who recently retired from the uh, from the Sri Lankan international team, Hasaranga, who was the most high paid player from Sri Lanka in the IPL this year. They've, they've all come from that school, um, so it was kind of them to put us up. But we were playing on mats. It's like we were in um, Karachi in 1956, playing as the Australians did then. I've never played a game on mats before, and it was just massing over the top. Of, I, I would call it kind of like dirt meshed in with concrete, something like that. It made for a, a really interesting surface. And, yes, we, we bowled well. We played a 100-ball game in order to try and get it all over in the space of a couple of hours. And we chased it down with about three overs to spare. So we, we took the chocolates in the media game. How good. The 100, mate. It's going everywhere, all across the world. Let's turn, our, it well. let's turn our attention to the second test. There's a bit of chatter media here that Glenn Maxwell is potentially going to line up tomorrow? 
Yeah, there's a decent chance of that. I think he will. Um, so we spoke to Pat Cummins this morning, uh, and Pat said that they were naming the same 12. And the natural question we had was, well, oh, does that mean Travis heads up against Glenn Maxwell for the final spot in the top six as it was before the first test match? And Pat's like, well, not quite. Actually, um, we're considering playing Maxi ahead of Mitchell Stark because they may not need a second seamer. Now, had they... Had they known how it was going to play out last week, they wouldn't have needed a second seamer. It was a, I mean, Pat didn't even bowl himself in the second innings, which says, um, well, it, it speaks to the balance of the attack that you need on a raging turner at Gaul. So the fact that Cameron Green didn't bowl either, and if they only need, say, four to six overs across the match from the second bowler, the second seam bowler with the new ball, and, and that's kind of it, then it does lend itself to bowling a third spinner. And in a way, they, they are in a privileged position where they could use Glenn Maxwell in that spot and bat him absurdly at number eight. I mean, I doubt Glenn Maxwell's bat at number eight often in his, uh, in his life, really. He did bat number eight on his test debut, actually, back in 2013 in similar circumstances at Hyderabad. But broadly speaking, we don't think of Glenn Maxwell being a number eight, but due to the configuration of the side they might go with, it might lend themselves to that and... Uh, it gives him a chance to play a test match for the first time in about 1,700 days. Adam, I do want to get your thoughts just quickly on Mitch Swepson and his performance. Now, we know we've got a lot of cricket coming up over the next 18 months, and our spinning lineup has got a tough task ahead of them. How do you rate Mitch Swepson's performance? I think he's going OK. I think he... Uh, look, it would have been touch and go for him playing last week if, if Holland was fit. Uh, John Holland didn't uh, quite get up for that uh, for that first test. And the fact that Swepson got his opportunity... And, look, he had to wait 514 deliveries in <laughs> test cricket between wickets. He, he went wicketless in the second innings at Karachi. He went wicketless entirely through the match at Lahore. Um, to bounce back the way that he did on morning one or afternoon one at Gaul, taking Trefer, and then a couple in the second dig as well, um, cashing in when everyone else was cashing in, I mean, fair play to him. He's been doing his apprenticeship in this Australian squad since 2017. That's when he first started touring. That's a really long time to be riding shotgun and not playing. Uh, And other bowlers had bowled ahead of him and played ahead of him at different points in time. But he had to wait it out until they were ready to go with a leg spinner to partner with Lyon. And he, he spoke with the Age newspaper about this a couple of days ago, about the fact that through Nathan Lane, he's realised that he needs to bowl more quickly to succeed at test level. And we detected that last week on, on, on our SEN radio coverage that in terms of the, the speed radar you get each ball on, on TV, he is bowling quicker and he hasn't lost any of his accuracy. So, And we saw some ripping, shredding leg breaks. So that's a pretty good combination. A, a faster leg breaker through the air than the iteration we saw in Pakistan very accurate and able to bowl big leg breaks on command. So, look, all leg spinners are a work in progress. None of them are the fully formed article upon arrival in the international sphere. Not even Shane Warne was. <laughs> it took him a few test matches to find his groove. It probably took him 12 months to truly find his groove on the big stage. Uh, and, and, look, I'm not saying that Mitch Webster's going to be the next Shane Warne, but I think we should have a bit of patience and remembering that Australia play one more test match here, then four in India next year. They're going to need him to deliver for them there. And the investment they're making in him now should uh, be something that underpins that later. Because, I mean, it looks like Schwebson probably won't get another match unless the SCG test later on in the year. 
Adam, I just want to put the microscope under our batting lineup. It was great to see Cameron Green getting some runs. Alex Carey chipped in too. But do we do we have any issues up there with the top order? Don't think so. Uh, Usman Khawaja has got the third most number of runs in the world this year, averaging over 100. Uh, made 71 last week. Green, his best test inning so far, 77 with a a plan that he deployed coming down the track to Sri Lanka spinners from the get-go, and it worked really well. Alex Carey averaged 20 in the Ashes, and he's averaged 100 since falling in the pool in Karachi. <laughs> so uh, he's found his groove and made half-centuries in, I think, two of his last three test innings. But the 45 he made in 47 balls on day two last week, along with Green, uh, was instrumental in making sure that Australia had a, a very healthy first innings lead. And Travis Head, look, he's been out of runs of late, but he won the Compton Miller medal uh, for the player of the Ashes from an Australian perspective, came second in the AV medal, um, and, of course, comes in with the confidence of having taken four for ten with the ball unexpectedly uh, to end the goal test match. So, yes, the, the two don't... I mean, obviously, his bowling doesn't relate to his batting, but you see that sometimes with, with players who do a bit of both when one discipline goes well, the other follows suit. So I wouldn't be surprised if Head responds accordingly this week. As for Labuschagne and Smith, the engine room, look, Labuschagne's batting average was up to 62 when he became uh, the number one player in the world after the Adelaide Test match late last year. It's down to sort of the mid-50s now, which just proves he's mortal. He's entitled to have a slump. Any um, high-quality cricketer will experience a slump, and he's having one of sorts at the moment. And Stephen Smith has had a, a lean run for a couple of years. He's still very effective. I mean, we saw in Pakistan, he didn't raise three figures, but he hit three half centuries and was really important in the first innings of, of each of those test matches. So, look, Smith will be desperate to hit a ton, no doubt, and, and there'll be that monkey off the back moment as and when he does. And uh, obviously got run out last week and, and gave Usman a spray, and, and that's been widely remarked upon. But, uh, you know, I think Australia's batting's in, in pretty good nickels hold. It was interesting you, you brought up the Smith and Quaja melee because we took a lot of talk back over here and some people are questioning whether yep. or not, is this the start of some cracks within the Aussie team? But, I mean, a bust-up happens every now and then and all great teams, right, Adam? I wouldn't call it a, a, a fracture in, in the Aussie team. I think that would be a, a little bit reductive in the analysis. Um, that would fail to appreciate that this is the number one team in the world. They've been through a pretty rough time and, and they're, they're fairly united. In fact, they're very united under McDonald and Cummins. Um, in fact, they might be the most united Australian team since I've been covering them over the last decade or so. So, yeah, I think they're going very, very nicely. Smith's outburst at Kawaja is reflective of Stephen Smith and reflective of... And by that, I mean that's just something we've seen from him from time to time in Test cricket. He gets very angry when he gets out, never likes leaving the field, often takes a long time to depart the field. Um, and we saw that when he was captain. He wears his emotions on his sleeve when he was fielding in the slips, leading the team. And, look, it wasn't a good look last week. I was very critical of, of how he responded last week to something that will happen from time to time as an international cricketer. You will be run out, uh, and, and it will be the fault of your your batting partner, as it was uh, with Kawasha. But, um, look, I don't see it as a, 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 a anything that... How you depicted it there, I, I think it was a a moment that if he could have it back again, he would. Uh, and they've been trying to put it behind them in the last couple of days. And if we take a look at the Sri Lankan side, there's been a bit of news around that a few of the players have tested positive to COVID. How did they possibly bounce back from that fourth innings capitulation? 
Mm, it's going to be hard. They're not really changing their batting an awful lot. They've got one false change due to COVID in the top order with Dan and Jay the Silver um, missing this week with COVID-19. They're missing three bowlers with COVID-19 as well, including uh, Van Der Say, who made his debut last week, and Wick Rama, the left-arm spinner, who probably would have come in for uh, Lucita Moldenia, who's been dropped from the squad altogether. So, well, Allegay, who bowled really nicely, the 19-year-old uh, in the one day as he'll come in. Uh, they've got uh, they've got a bowler who uh, Mendes, who's uh, from this area from Gaul, who bowls with both arms. He's actually a number six batter. He'll come into the top six and replace that and Jaya. But um, it's possible uh, that well, we're hearing he'll make his test debut tomorrow. And in addition to being a feisty number six, he does bowl with both arms. So watch his face wow. on that front Jeez. if he does get an opportunity. He's ambidextrous. Um, we, we often have seen him on YouTube in, in the last couple of years and. Yeah, I think Walalagay, the 19-year-old, will get his opportunity to make his debut. And and so you brought a question about bouncing back and resilience. Well, I mean, the the truth is, is that it's very rough over here at the moment off the field. Um, You know, power outages. uh, I mean, I'm I'm surprised we're talking right now and the power hasn't gone off. It seems to be a fairly regular occurrence after dark. The fuel shortage, the, the gas shortage, the currency shortage... It's bad, uh, and no one should be under any illusions. It is very bad over here in Sri Lanka. Uh, it's tragic uh, that a, a beautiful island nation is experiencing such economic hardship, and there have been protests on the streets every day we've been here around the country, especially in Colombo, uh, and there was more protests at the ground today in Gaul. So the people clearly aren't happy, and there's this sort of an intractable situation politically, and, and, and of course that would affect the players because they're only human beings after all, and it's their families and their livelihoods as well. So, yeah, in terms of how they bounce back this week, hard to say, but uh, they have shown over many years in a long civil war that only finished 13 years ago that they are a resilient people. So hopefully um, they can put in a better showing this week. But, yeah, there's a, there's a bigger picture of play as well. I can't imagine how tough that would be on a broadcasting team. But, hey, let, let's hope we get through this test. Uh, no issues. I just quickly want to mention before we let you go, Adam, what do you think of Basball? Well, uh, yeah, um, it's, it's working. It's a buzzword, isn't uh, it? I, I, spoke to, I, I spoke to Baz a couple of weeks ago for SEN, SENZ, uh, before the Leeds Test match when we were uh, preparing for that broadcast. And, look, he's a compelling personality. He always has been. Uh, Brendan McCullum, is a, he, he's, a, he's a lightning rod, uh, and he's inspiring cricket that was inconceivable from this England test team up until a couple of months ago, um, talking to Jimmy Anderson last week, uh, and he said as much as well. He's like, well, um, I don't want to ever retire now. Now I'm <laughs> playing under Brendan McCullum. This is the best dressing room ever. Um, and the way that someone like Johnny Bairstow has gone from being one of the least productive players in the world over the last three years to being the leading run scorer in the world in 2022 with six tons in eight test matches. He's nearly hit a thousand runs already and you know three of those hundreds have been chasing uh well sorry two of them have been chasing but um but two of them have also been made uh in the last couple of weeks so four in the last three test matches including twin tons at edgbaston against a high quality attack including jasmine boomerah and muhammad shami i mean this is the the stuff you dream of as a batter that it all just clicks and so it is and i think brendan mccullum's right at the heart of that so who knows how it'll play out over the next 12 months before australia arrive for the 2023 Ashes, but if England do continue on this trajectory and it keeps going well, and it won't always work, Absolutely. but while it is broadly working, it could be 
brilliant next year. So, um, yes, everything crossed, from my perspective, that it keeps trending in this direction because we want nothing more than exhilarating Ashes series and there haven't been enough of them. Uh, They've often been quite good value in England, but those in Australia have been pretty rubbish. I mean, the one last summer was the worst Ashes series of my lifetime in terms of the the competitive balance. It was it was awful cricket. I mean, some brilliant individual performances, For sure. especially from Australia, but it was it was pretty tough to watch and see them so badly mismatched. So if they can bounce back and be a high-quality team against Australia riding high this time next year, it, it, it'll be brilliant to watch and hopefully brilliant to listen to an SEN test cricket. Well, I'm sure you'll agree with this, Adam, but if we can have a strong... English red ball side. It makes the game of Test cricket, the spectacle of Test cricket, so, so much better, mate. I just one final thing. Can I get a quick thought on what you believe is going to happen with the Big Bash over here and Channel Seven? Um, well, it wouldn't be so much a thought as it would be a sort of a, a, a elevator sort of <laughs> level analysis from where I'm coming at this from. Obviously, I'm in Gaul. I'm not in the thick of things in, in Australia and I don't live in Australia anymore. So I'm not sort of in the hustle and bustle of um, being on the phone to Channel 7 executives and, and all the rest of it. But, I mean, my sense from talking to some CA types last week is that they're not too concerned about what's going on with Seven right now. This is kind of part two of the legal action that they had a crack at that ended in arbitration in February 2021. Um, the fact that CA have been able to get the content to air, and that's the most important thing legally, yeah. we're told. Um, you know, it's a little bit hard for... I think even from a common sense test, even if we're not lawyers here, I mean, how can you um, sort of mandate that players play and if they don't... Uh, that certain players play, rather. And if they don't, that the whole deal changes its configuration. I mean, that seems fairly um, impossible to mandate. So that's the position of CA. And on the other side of it, seven of arrived at the conclusion that the Big Bash isn't much chop and, and they want to rebate. So I don't think anyone would disagree with the proposition that the Big Bash isn't as dynamic as it was uh, a few years ago, but there are a lot of elements to that, partly the expanded draw, far more games, difficult time zones, difficult time slots. Um, COVID-19 has been a massive factor, bubbles complicating that, that again. So in both years, remembering that Omicron smashed the Big Bash this year with teams wiped out routinely. So it's complicated terrain, uh, but, I mean, you know, the prevailing sentiment uh, seems to be that, uh, that that CA are on on fairly good footing when it comes to the immediate challenge in the federal court if it gets that far. Well, Adam, I really appreciate your time coming to us live from Gaul. Mate, enjoy the test coming up. I, I know it's uh, tough circumstances over there, but I've really been enjoying all the coverage this winter over in England and now in Sri Lanka, mate. Enjoy the rest after a big match, and um, we'll hear from you later on. Thanks, Nathan. Tune in to every single ball. We're on air 35 minutes before the first ball on the app, and then the stations join us progressively uh, through the night. Broadcast team, myself, the former New Zealand captain, the great broadcaster, Jeremy Coney, Jeff Lemon, Russell Arnold, former Sri Lankan player. Uh, we've got H.G. Ackerman, who used to play for South Africa. Andrew Fidel-Fernando, who's one of the uh, best uh, cricket journalist in the world, and Bharat Sundarayson, who's been a massive part of RCN test coverage over the last couple of years. Well, mate, we'll be tuning in, no doubt about that. Adam Collins, live from Gaul in Sri Lanka. Thank you very much. A pleasure. Yeah, you're listening to the Overnight Crowd on SEN. Really appreciate Adam Collins jumping on the phone from Sri Lanka. What Sounds like a pretty tough prospect over there at the moment. Um, you know, that having a lot of different challenges. But we'll be tuned in 
on the wireless tomorrow afternoon. Now, if you're on the eastern side of the country, 2pm Friday, on the SEN app and across the SEN network, like Adam just mentioned, he'll be leading the team with Jeff Lemon, Russell Arnold, Jeremy Coney, Barat Sunderace and HD Ackerman and Andrew Fernando. What are your thoughts heading into this second test? And... I, I just don't see Sri Lanka bouncing back, but please let me know your thoughts. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the text line. We've got some calls coming through. We'll get to those on the other side of this. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. You're listening to the overnight crowd on SEN. You're listening to the Overnight Crowd. Call us anytime, 1300 736 736 or tweet us at Overnight Crowd. Locked into the overnight crowd on SEN. Friday, 8th of July, 1.23 Australian Eastern Standard Time. Two hours later on the West Coast. We're going to go back to the phone lines. one 736 736 And we're going to go to Jace in North Parramatta of Sydney. Good morning, Jace. How are you, mate? Oh, morning, Gibbo. Yeah, going well, thank you, mate. Hey, how are you going? Yeah, not too bad. I, look, it was it's always a tough thing at the start, but I think once you get rolling, it's all good. But yeah, you do, mate. Yeah, I, but mate, I'm pumped. No. I'm pumped. I, no. I love talking footy. I love talking sport, and there's so much of it around, mate. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Oh, look, uh, for me, I, I actually I'm not a big Curios fan, but yeah. um, but I'll be hoping he wins these last two matches. Like it's, you know, even for all that his his behaviour and everything like that, there's no disputing this is huge. I mean, what was it? Uh, Pat Cash, like the last time a male, um, you know, won Wimbledon. So yeah, he. I, I I think there's no denying his talent, um, and I've mentioned this a couple of times. I, I don't feel like people need to take his antics on the court personally. And like a reflection yeah. of as he's an Australian athlete, regardless of that. Look, at the end of the day, he's a player. He, he can at his best. He can play with the world's best. So I think that's where people start getting it wrong. But look, it's going to be a tough match against Rafael Nadal. Brett Phillips let us know that Rafa did get through a serve after that mammoth four and a half hour match yesterday. Look, it's going to be a good match tomorrow, Jace. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, could be uh, Cooper Cronk 2018 oh, grand final territory. What, a, what about that? Oh, that was unbelievable. <laughs> hey, so Jace, can I get a team from you? What team do you support in the rugby league or, or AFL? Uh, look, in the um, rugby league, yeah, the uh, New Zealand Warriors. And yep. uh, with the um, AFL, uh, actually um, the Gold Coast Suns. Wow, okay. Well, Stewie Jew re-signed for two years this week. And the Gold Coast Suns have 
traditionally not done so well, but they're floating in and around the eight this year. How did the Gold Coast Suns come into your life, Jase? Right. Well, I came from New Zealand, and um, so I didn't have any real affiliation to any particular place in in Australia. Um, It was Carmichael Hunt. Wow. Like, with his, you know, because he basically was the face of their um, franchise when it first kicked off. And even though it was only about one year before the GWS, and I'm, I'm here in Western Sydney, but, you know, I kept thinking, no, no, I'll... I might as well make a jump now yeah. um, and get behind get behind him. So, yeah, that's how it kicked off. Now, mate, we'll yeah. cross back over to the rugby league. The New Zealand Warriors, the biggest news of the week, and it is a real shame, but Reese Walsh, so their fullback, their young whiz kid fullback, has agreed to terms with the Brisbane Broncos. Jace is a Warriors fan. What are your thoughts initially? Oh, um, you know, it's the... Uh, the, I, kept, I heard the background to it. So with his, um, he's had a, a relationship breakdown. He's got a young uh, girl, um, and the mother's based in, you know, the Brisbane sort of area. So yep. that, um, yeah, no, I can, I can absolutely understand his need to um, be closer to to his uh, his daughter. And um, yeah, no, I, I, all you can do is. You know, wish him all the best. I'm not bitter about anything, you know. Um, so, and he's a young bloke. He's he's actually played really well last year. For he's sure. been a bit off this year, yeah. but um, maybe maybe this stuff was all part of it. Oh, like, definitely. You, you you can sort of see. I think it's pretty easy after the fact to have been like, okay, this is where the distraction's coming from. But for a young man to go into that Warriors team, look, he, he got the opportunity to play first grade there. And, and I think he lit the NRL up. So, look, hopefully everything gets back on track for him. He'll beat the Brisbane Broncos now. Mate, what sort of turnaround have the Brisbane Broncos done in the last 12 months? Ben Eichen is working wonders up there. Oh, it's, uh, there's there's been so many good things happening. I uh, since Ben Iken left the uh, NRL 360 and um, and took up yeah that position at the Broncos. Um, I think it coincided with uh, Capewell, Kurt Capewell signing, yep. um, and then obviously yeah Adam Reynolds for sure um, is oh huge. But no, you're right. Yeah, you know, even to Tim Ardair Martin. Like yeah. it's been quite a good, um, good story coming back from a brain bleed, which is just incredible to think of. But yeah, um, well, yeah no, he's he's done really well, Ben Iken. Well, it looks even like some of the Brisbane Broncos' shrewd, more shrewd signings. So Tomato Martin. Uh, even Tyson Gamble, uh, Tyrone Roberts, yeah. who played a couple of weeks ago, who've been playing Q Cup, seems to come in and do a good job and. I think what's going to be interesting to see here, Jace, is what happens with Payne Haas. Now, he had that contract standoff a few months ago now, but it seems to have quietened down. And if he can agree to terms with the Bronx on a cheaper deal, I think Ben Eikens gets A-plus-plus marks for the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, I think um, where every other team and every other team supporters, when they heard that, Payne Haas was potentially coming on the market. Oh. I think, you know, even I was saying, I was um, messaging the New Zealand Warriors website saying, hey, buy this guy as many <laughs> pairs of white shoes oh, as he absolutely. needs. Like, 
but um, no, you're right. If if he if they retain him, then oh, they're they're looking really good, and they need to as well. Like I'm I'm a league lover, and like you know for the competition and for Brisbane and Queensland in general, um, you need yeah he needs sure. to stay there. Like he's um yeah it's better for the competition. Absolutely. Uh, look, I. I feel like, so the Sydney Roosters, which is uh, for all the Victorians and across the country, basically the glamour club of the NRL. And there's always these jibes about the salary cap and the Roosters are always over the salary cap. And if they were somehow able to fit in one of the best front rowers in the game, there were going to be a lot of questions asked. But on recruitment, Jace, what do you think about the Dolphins? They've now missed out on Reese Walsh. How do you think this squad's coming together for next year? Oh, it's 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 a bit worrying. Like For even sure. though they've got the super coach, yeah. Like, um, but at the moment, Wayne Bennett is their largest signing. Yeah. So, I yeah no, I've got I've got real real concerns that they're going to be able to to be competitive um, from day one, and that um, and the way that the AFL actually do their expansion, I think that's something that the NRL missed. So. Like, do you like, mean, yeah. like, basically moving, a, like, relocating a club like the North Sydney Bears? There's a lot of chat around at the moment. Uh, the NRL is looking to go over to Perth. Do you think a side like the North Sydney Bears adds the Perth Bears is the way forward, Jace? I've heard um, a lot of uh, NRL experts, like, in, in a grants that, you know, that, that wouldn't be a bad thing. And I've yeah. heard some... Um, ex-North Sydney uh, royalty saying, you know, well, what are they going to do? They're, they're basically in the second tier. So for the for the AFL listeners, you know, they're in, uh, what is it, New South Wales Cup. So VFL, um, essentially. Yes. VFL, yes. So, up here. you know, and they don't really have a pathway back to the NRL um, in their current standing. Look, as they've always wanted to just stay in North Sydney and you know, like play out of North Sydney Oval, but unfortunately, that that's looking less and less likely as the days go on. So, uh, yeah, maybe um, a rebirth in another another city, potentially Perth, is yep. um, yeah a, the best way for them. Now, um, mate, talking about like the, the Roosters, yeah, they, they might be in line for Dustin Martin. Like that's how bad they are with it, like <laughs> picking up people. So, oh, for sure. You know, but but he he would really suit. He'd suit Sydney for one, yep. um, and he'd suit the Swans for sure. Like I, I think he'd be a great pickup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, only from an outsider looking in, it seems like he doesn't get on with the media too well. Uh, he comes up here away from all the noise. And maybe he could play, regain some of his best form. But he is a tremendous player. And I think if he could come to Sydney, that's a big tick for either the GWS Giants or the Sydney Swans. Now, the GWS Giants have sort of struggled to get a foothold in Western Sydney. I know I'm pretty sure that Dustin Martin was born or has family ties to the Western Sydney area. So it's definitely going to be a watch this space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he... he does have a few links and the other the other thing too he's um i, I wasn't aware that he has a moldy background yeah like so I his father realize that. I, I think his father moldy uh i know yeah i'm, I'm fairly sure that's right yeah but i um, think yeah no no you are right because i saw him 
he got a uh, received a traditional Maori haka yep. in in the dressing room um, for one of his milestone matches. So yeah, because he he's would... got so many tattoos. Yeah, but he actually doesn't have any tribal tattoos. Well, he'd so that's have to usually be... what I look for. Yeah, well, he'd have to be one of the few Maori players in the AFL. I remember a few years ago that New Zealand, or the AFL, were doing a bit of a push in New Zealand, and they played a few games out of the Cake Tin in Wellington. Yes. And yep. the uh, the New Zealand Hawks, I believe, they played in an AFL World Cup. But yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. But mate, you, you're saying you're a Kiwi, you love the Warriors. What about the ABs? Are they close to your heart? Oh, they are. But I'm a league boy. Yeah. You know? League, and and it's. And I know it's even different for it's hard for like Victorians and you know sometimes uh, AFL like say rugby and it's like fun. not yeah. separating the two. But I'm very much separate. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm league first and yeah, you know, ABs. Yeah, I do. I don't mind. I'll always support them. But um, now nah, me rugby league first. That's Ma- always. Mate, because, one uh, final question for you. We're gonna be, after this NRL season. Not only has the Football World Cup on in Qatar, but we've got a Rugby League World Cup to look forward to. There's a lot of noise about the eligibility crisis. Uh, Brian Toto, who's playing on the wing for New South Wales on Wednesday, he's put his hand up for Samoa, so he won't be playing for Australia, it looks like. How do you think this eligibility thing's going to play out, Jace? It's a really difficult one. I don't know how um, they can uh, avoid these types of situations without trying to gain uh, the uh, the choices prior to, to origin. Like, uh, yeah. I, I know that um, Mel Meninga, the Australian uh, Rugby League coach, had asked for uh, players to nominate whether they were going to play for other or second-tier countries or, yeah, or Australia, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a real tricky one. I, I find that um, I find it difficult. I actually bring it back to the um, the immortal um, debate. Now, the the reason why I say that, Gibbo, is because um, you know. The, so for for people who don't know outside of um, uh, the NRL, the immortals is pretty much like our highest sort of hall of fame status, isn't it? Is that the best way to describe it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, and and like to to gain access into that elite group, uh, you have to be in the Hall of Fame for the NRL, mm-hmm. and then you know you go through some selection process that they do every couple of years. Uh, but I, you know, my understanding of what I believe is that people that play state of origin uh, immediately placed higher than most other yep. most other players. Like, uh, the next cabs off the rank to get access... You know, you're looking at uh, potentially a Ken Irvine, who's the highest um, try scorer in, in, in NRL history. Um, but then if you look at the closer ones, it's going to be Cam. Cam Smith's definitely in yep. there. J- JT. Yep. Um, you know, Lockyer. Uh, but they're all... Pretty much their their standing came in origin. Like yeah. a lot of it came in origin. They were class players in the NRL, class players and in international. But I, I really struggle with that because yeah. you know Sam Burgess to me, Sam Burgess would have played origin. He would have excelled in origin for sure. Like, uh, 
you know, Benji probably would have played Origin. Benji Marshall. Yeah. Um, Jason Tomalolo definitely plays Origin. Like, and for years, those guys would have dominated Origin, and then their status gets, like, increased. Yeah. But they don't get that. Jace, it's an interesting one you pose. It's definitely, I think it's something to be looked at. But, yeah, when are we going to see our, our first non-Australian player in the Immortals? It's a question to ask. Absolutely. Jace, mate, if, if I can give you one event, what are you looking forward to the most this weekend? Oh, look, no, I'm, I'm all eyes on Kyrgios because yep. it's, you know, it's a major. It's a yep. major. It's a, he's an Australian. Like, yeah, you've summed it up perfectly, his antics and everything. And, I, uh, yeah, I can understand some people not being able to get past that, but I just see him as an Australian. And, you know, he's hey, he's two games away from, you know, taking home the trophy, which is incredible. So, yeah, no, that's what I'm looking forward to, Kevo. Well, How about you? What are you looking forward to? Oh, I like the rugby league. I like the rugby union, Jace. I, I do really like the Wallabies. And after after their win, they were down 14 men, scoring three tries in the second half. I'm really keen to see how England bounce back. A lot of pressure on Eddie Jones. I'm keen to see yep. how Ireland bounce back over the ABs. They were just unable to get any sort of momentum in that second half and cross the All Blacks try line. But, mate, look, I love yes. all sports. I will be up to watch Nick Kyrgios. It's going to be amazing, mate. I'm really, really stoked that you're able to join us for a good uh, good shinwag tonight, mate. I hope you're enjoying the show, and we'll chat soon. Cheers, Gibbo, mate. You're doing great. Awesome. Right. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. The overnight crowd is where you have landed we're nearly, we're an hour or so to go. I am, I'm loving the interaction, guys. Keep it up. 0433981116 is that text number. Like Jace, like Margaret earlier, 1300 736 is that phone number. Now, I've got a text here from Hillstorm Maroon Hillary. She's a staple on a lot of the rugby league content on the SCN network. Morning, Gibbo, or should I say the more formal Nathan. Loved Margaret's chat. Is she a Rello? No, I, I don't believe Margaret is a Rello. I think she's she's um, a regular caller on SEN in Victoria. Or could she be where an SEN regular Harry is in a retirement or nursing home? They'd be a great match. Doing your best work after midnight, young fella. They show The show obviously covers a crowd of info from around the world. Thank you for the kind words, Hillstorm Hillary. I probably shouldn't have read, read that out, given myself a big head. But, yeah, thank you to all the correspondents. We've got another one. Glenn from Highton. Carlton and Geelong in nine days will be played at the MCG. Expect a crowd of 70,000 plus. You're listening to the overnight crowd. I'm going to keep you up to date with all the Wimbledon scores. Uh, as BP alluded to earlier, Matthew Ebden and Samantha Stosa are in the final of the mixed doubles. I'll keep you all abreast with what's going on there. You're listening to the overnight crowd on SEN all across the country on the SEN app and the SEN network. You're listening to the Overnight Crowd. Call us anytime, 1300 736 736 or tweet us at Overnight Crowd. Tin 2 on SEN on the app and all across the SEN network. 
As always, you can give us a ring here, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, like Tom has in Glen Iris. Tom, mate, how you going? I'm good, Gibbo, and uh, great to hear you on the airways. Doing a great job, mate. Well, thank you very much, mate. You've got some thoughts on the Aussie rules. Can I get a quick synopsis? How did you see the game play out? The top of the table clash between the Geelong Cats and the Melbourne Demons. Well, it was a bit of a funny old game. Neither side really got into their best form. Both sides have had uh, played better games throughout the year than, than what they did last night. And the Cats are generally pretty good at home. And Melbourne didn't really um, challenge them and get up to their, their top-level footy. So I, I would like to see... Uh, that sort of final play out at some stage later in the year at the MCG where Melbourne have got a bit more of a stranglehold of that ground and Geelong um, that are a bit uh, a bit of an older side probably um, have struggled a little bit more on that ground with the with the big wide um, expanses of the MCG. Uh, Geelong is a bit of a smaller ground but the MCG yeah. is a massive ground and they're a bit older and slower so their running capacity is not um, quite suited to the G so I'd like to see that game in the finals. Mate, how do you um? How do you see the season playing out? Uh, first, actually, sorry. First of all, mate, who do you back for? Oh, I'm a Swans fan. Oh, okay. Uh, so yep. I love listening. To, love listening to Nick Davis before. He's, he's always got great insight. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm of his vintage. I'm, I grew up watching him um, play. I'm 32, so um, when he was uh, coming through at the Swannies, that was that was when I was um, fresh faced little nipper. <laughs> Loving footy for the first time. Well, he's it's surprise. We said in that chat, um, it's kind of strange up here, up in Sydney, that he, there's not many guys who love and follow as closely as he does both sports. And he can talk for hours on rugby league, and then he can talk for hours on AFL basketball. It's, it's unbelievable. But yeah, mate, how do you think the Swannies are going to go tomorrow? They've got the Western Bulldogs at home, which you can hear on AFL Nation. Oh, it's a huge game, um, massive for both teams, and we, we got done by the doggies last time we played them down in Melbourne, and that's the first game that we lost for the season. So, hoping to get one back on them on the home deck. But it was really disappointing last week to see the Swans not really turn up in Luke Parker's 250th. You know, captain who's been a great player and he's given it his all every week for 250 games, and we just didn't quite rock up and play our best footy at any stage. Um, couldn't we kick pretty poorly throughout the day in Essendon? Um, kind of wanted it more there in the second half, and their young kids are really impressive and ran over us. But yeah, um, yeah so I, I reckon Sydney's got the best um, crop of young kids for probably sure. in the comp, or maybe I'm a little bit biased there. For but sure. I think our young, youngsters are, are unbelievable. But um, if we're going to challenge in the finals, then we're going to need those those kids to, to dominate. But we also need that old crew Parker and Franklin and Josh Kennedy and Jake Lloyd and Rampy and Heaney and Papley and Mills. Uh, those guys have all got to be in pretty good form if we're going to be a force in September. Mate, I flicked over that game on Saturday afternoon and it seemed like the Swans just didn't want to win it. They couldn't kick straight. I'm sure they would have liked to kick a little straighter, but the um, it was a pretty unbelievable game. I've got to say, I love Tom Papley. I love his celebrations. I don't know too much about him, but I know he loves to celebrate. So, look, hopefully they can get the W over the Bulldogs tomorrow night for you, mate. Yeah, I hope so. Pat is one of those key players who's just, you know, he's an energizer bunny and he's really, really important. If he's playing well, he's one of those sort of barometer type players. If he plays well, we generally play well. But yeah, we just we just didn't kick. I mean, Essendon kicked 15 goals five and then conversely, we kicked 12 goals 14. So yeah. if you miss 14 shots, um, you know, that that's, that's going to shoot you in the foot. And eventually it did in the end. But at three-quarter time, we had the same amount of goals, nine goals each. But Essendon only kicked three behinds and we kicked 14. So 
um, yeah, yeah, poor kickings, poor footy uh, in the end. But, yeah, hopefully we can get over the doggies and get one back on them after they got us earlier in the year. Mate, happy days. And just oh, just the last one before I let you go, because we're running out of time here. Nick Kyrgios, will you be watching? Yes, I will. I'm actually, um, I've met Nick a couple of times. I'm actually quite close. I, I'm not sure if you stay close to, to Nick and his socials, but uh, Elliot Loney is oh, yeah, a yeah, uh, yeah. notable comedian impersonator. He's, he's a good mate of mine. So I've oh, wow. met Nick and Tanasi a couple of times. So I follow Nick pretty closely. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he, he's had an incredible run, hasn't he? And and if if rap, you know, rap is a little bit uh, sore from had that abdomen issue in in the last game, so you know, Nick could somehow find himself in a final, and what an unbelievable that result that would be if he could, you know, come up against Djokovic. It's like the the uh, Happy Gilmore versus Shooter McGavin of tennis. It'd oh, be unbelievable. Mate, it's going to be unbelievable. Hey, Tom, mate, I really appreciate your support tonight. I hope the Swannies can get a W for for you tonight. And um, great to chat, mate. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Gibbo. Always good to talk, and uh, yeah, doing a great job, and I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, mate. You're listening to The Overnight Crowd. hour of the overnight crowd on SEN. Thank you a bunch to all the people who have been in contact. One hour to go, guys. I'll get you caught up in the AFL, like I've said a couple of times tonight and the early hours of this morning. Geelong, 12-19-91 took care of the Melbourne Demons. 9-9-63. Isaac Smith for the Cats winning in his 250th AFL match. Was chaired off following the match down there in Geelong. Interesting to see what happens today because Clayton Oliver, the superstar from Melbourne, he'll be off the scans on that hand. So hopefully for you Melbourne Demons fans, not a huge layoff. If we look to the NRL, the Cronulla Sharks, 28, defeating the Melbourne Storm, 6. Two weeks in a row, the Melbourne Storm have failed to fire a shot. I know their coach, Craig Bellamy, will not be happy with the defence of their side. But for all you fans down in Victoria and your Melbourne Storm fans across the country on the SEN network, it's not over yet. You're without Cam Munster and Harry Grant. Cam Munster, you're 5'8". Harry Grant, you're number nine, you're hooker. Your two most important players, you take that out of any side. There's going to be issues with the Sharks. We're not without their issues this week. Nico Hines, their halfback, 
ex-Melbourne Storm player. Beautiful hair. And Toby Rudolph, their front rower, both going down at COVID. A good win by the Cronulla Sharks. Uh, Jesse Ramian scoring a hat-trick there. And a big weekend of footy all across the country. You can hear it all on AFL Nation or in Queensland and New South Wales for NRL Nation. We've got a lot to look forward to, including Wimbledon. Nick Kyrgios is through to the semi-finals. He'll take on Rafael Nadal. But I'm pretty glad right now to speak to a man who's a staple of the overnight crowd. Chris from the US. Chris, are you there, mate? I am here. I'm sitting at home for the first time in nine weeks. Chris, mate, I'm, it's a pleasure to meet you. Where, where are you calling from? Where's home? Uh, calling, uh, home is Farmington, Missouri. It's a little small town about an hour south of St. Louis. Wow. There you go. And you're off, you're off somewhere, you were saying? Uh, yeah, I am uh, two days away. In fact, uh, 48 hours from now, I'll be at, at the uh, airport in St. Louis about to start a trip that will ultimately end at uh, St. Andrews for the Open Championship next week. Wow. Is, is that, have you been there before? Because that sounds like to me mm-hmm. that's a bucket list, bucket list sporting moment. Yeah, this is one of the. This is a once in a lifetime moment for me. I've never been to St Andrews, never been to Scotland. Yeah. I've been to England a couple of times, but never made it up to Scotland. But yeah, the, this is a this is a definite bucket list item to go see the Open at St Andrews. Plus, it being the 150th Open, it's a it's a very special one. Could be Tiger, probably will be Tiger Woods' final appearance at at St Andrews. So this is definitely not something to miss. Now, you're, you're talking about the golf there, Chris. What, what is your take on the live golf stuff? I, I know there's, uh, there's plenty I, of chat around it. Yeah, I, my take on it, it is uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of has-beens and a bunch of, uh, we'll say, journeymen looking for an easy paycheck. Right. Is my ultimate take on this. And, and you know, listen, the Saudis, they've got money to burn. They want to spend it, try to make themselves look good. It's not like it's going to work because we're not going to forget what, what the Saudi government has sponsored and supported over the over a number of years um, in regards to um, – you know, killing journalists, lack of freedoms in, in their country, the the lack of opportunities for women in their country. You know, the, no amount of money can make you forget about that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's a bunch of guys who are just looking for an easy paycheck and, and playing a lot less golf instead of playing on the PGA Tour and grinding it out like they have for, for decades. Now, Tiger Woods, you mentioned Tiger Woods at the Open there. How is his fitness? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's gonna, that's the big question. I, he didn't play in the U.S. Open last month because he wanted to give his, time, his body time to recover. He played in the Masters. He's played in the PGA Championship already this year. But those are the only tournaments he's really played in uh, because – you know, he's a year and a half removed from a car accident that almost killed him. Yeah. So that, you know, I'm, 
and being in your mid-40s, I'm in my mid-40s, I know this feeling, the body doesn't recover uh, at this age like it does when you're in your 20s. So, um, yeah, and he didn't he didn't want to play at the U.S. Open because the U.S. Open is a it, it is a torture test playing a U.S. Open course, playing either two or four days, whatever you're it, it's a lot of a grind. And the the recovery time off a of U.S. Open to get ready for a, another major at at a course you really want to play at. Uh, in, in St. Andrews, a place the Tigers won, won two Open Championships at, you know, he wanted to make sure he was ready to play and he was going to be as close to 100% as his body would allow to play a, a very special tournament in a very special place. So he, he was targeting this to, to be able to play the Open Championship next week. And what about Rory McIlroy, one of my good mates? He is absolutely smitten with Rory McIlroy, but he hasn't been delivering lately. Is he any chance? Uh, Rory's always a chance. Um, he, he's got he's got too good of a game. It's been what eight years since he won a major, but it's the Open. He he's Irish. This is in his. <laughs> Basically in his backyard, Basically. he is the the crowd will be will be very supportive of him um, at the Open Championship this year. So uh, I would definitely say he's a chance. I guess we got to look a little closer to home. Our um, very own mulleted man, Cameron Smith, he, he'll be in and amongst the spoils as well, surely. He, he will be uh, because uh, he, he's got a great game. I, I'm a fan of his and and want to see him do well. He's he's And he's been close at majors. So eventually, when, when you're close, when you're at the top of the leaderboard in a major and you haven't closed a deal yet, eventually you figure out how to close that deal. And it takes some time, and it could be Cam Smith's time. Now he comes out and shoots 76 on Thursday next week. Uh, not so much, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect that. I would expect him to be be firing and be amongst the leaders from, from day one. Now, Chris, I had to keep my powder dry because we were talking about Tiger Woods, and when you think of uh, Tiger Woods, you think of the greatest of all time. I know in tennis there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a bit of a Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, but also in Nathan's hot dog eating contest, Joey Chestnut is the yes. guy. I didn't yes. realize yes. how big this event was over in the States. Well, and it's and it's competitive eating, which, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a big guy. I do like to eat. So the fact that that's become a, a, a sport that is televised and there's rankings and everything and world records set. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fun, but the Nathan, the Nathan's contest, and I've actually been to that location there on Coney Island, the Nathan's, the Nathan's famous hot dog place at the corner of surf and still well in on Coney Island in Brooklyn, been there twice. It is a great place on a summer day. Uh, cause it's right on the beach. A uh, great place to eat. A little expensive, but it is to it's a tourist trap, so they get away with it uh, with being a little more expensive. But it's a really awesome place to go to, and the, and you know the contest there draws a huge crowd every year on the Fourth of July. And yeah, Joey Chestnut, he's won fifteen <laughs> yellow mustard belts, Un- untouchable uh, as the 
Yeah, I, he he is more money. Joey Chestnut at the corner of Surf, Surf and Stillwell in Coney Island is more money there than Rafa Nadal is <laughs> at Roland Garros. Now, did you catch and, the uh, protester, Chris? <laughs> because not only and, and, this is the this is a mark of a great athlete. I think, regardless of what what the occupation is, Joey Chestnut. He's, he's pounding the hot dogs. Protester comes on. Boom, thanks for coming. Little choker hold. And then gets straight back into his work. Yeah, uh, not, not just a chokehold. He didn't just try to throw a rear naked chokehold on this guy. He looked, He almost went full SEAL Team 6 <laughs> and snapped dude's neck. Yeah. He, he, had his ar- he had that arm around his throat and then ripped him back. And then went back to eating the hot dogs. Well, oh, it's just no nonchalantly, right? And did you did you catch the uh, the Aussie over there? We got a third place, and now I believe a couple of months ago, no one even no one knew that hot dog eating contest in Australia anyway was that massive. But James Webb from uh, Sydney, Australia, where we're broadcasting from here, the first Aussie mm-hmm. ever to go in the event, forty-one hot dogs in ten minutes to finish third. So, yeah, and that that's that's a, and forty one. That is an impressive well, total. It's unbelievable because I, those hot dogs those are not little tiny hot dogs. You know, like like you might get in a package at the at the local grocery store. I these are footlongs. Okay? Yeah, these are some big dogs you're eating. So, <laughs> I mean, to to have forty one of them, me personally, uh, in, in a ten minute span, you know, personally, I could probably wolf down four of them. Yeah, well, in a ten-minute spam. they're they're really good though. I was listening. So I, maybe maybe a little bit more. I was listening to an interview with James Webb, uh, the first Aussie to ever compete in Nathan's hot dog eating contest. And so in Australia, he was saying that the the hot dogs aren't good at all. They're, they're disgusting, if anything. But what he did, his local bakery, so the baked bread, they were making customized bread rolls for him that was just going to be like the competition. So this guy, he was training. Before he went to work, he was up at 3 a.m. in the morning and he was just pounding mm-hmm. hot dogs. So, look, who says hey. who says that eating in the middle of the night will not one day get you on to the main channel on ESPN? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and, and get, you, get you center stage on ESPN. I mean, who, who would have thought it that... That just being just being able to eat mass quantities of food would get anybody on ESPN. <laughs> uh, it, it, there's hope for everybody, and and who knows, James may be an inspiration to somebody down there right now. Oh, absolutely! To, to become the next Joey Chestnut. Absolutely, uh, I could not knows? agree. Chris, never. Just before we get off the hot dog eating contests, before we go into a bit more serious sport, if you had to, if you had to right now. Suggest an event for yourself to pound. Which one? What sort of food do you reckon you could eat the most of? Ooh, that! I'll tell you what. I, I will. There, there's a a restaurant down in New Orleans that that has a an eating challenge, and I've seen this on Man vs. Food <laughs> on TV. Uh, it's raw oysters on the half shell. Okay. Wow. Not my cup of tea, uh, the, but how many? How many the, are we putting away? Well, the the challenge is the challenge at this restaurant in New Orleans is fifteen dozen. Yeah. 
180 of these, 180 of these bad boys. I'm looking at that challenge going, bring it. I like it. Bring it. I like it. Uh, I, I love I love fresh raw oysters on the half shell. Absolutely love it. A little of the horseradish sauce, the horseradish and Tabasco, a little squeeze of lemon on there. I can pound those suckers all day. <laughs> Mate, we will cross over to Wimbledon. Now, from your point of view, how, how have you seen this tournament unfold? Obviously, in Australia, we're quite excited because we've got a man in the final four, and his name is Nick Kyrgios. But over in America, mm-hmm. how's the coverage been of the tournament, and, and what's sticking out to you? Um, on every day, in fact, it's on my TV now. Just watch the, the wrap-up of the second women's semifinal. Uh, uh, Ry- uh, advanced on to the to the women's final. I think I'm pronouncing that yeah, name right. Rabicano? Rabicano. Yeah, Rabicano. Straight S over Simona Halep. That's a yep. huge result because earlier on in the yep. program, we spoke to Brett Phillips and, well, guys, he, he actually was backing a Halep-Djokovic final. But anyway, Elena Rabicano has taken the victory over Simona Halep. So, yeah, mate, how have you, have you seen Wimbledon? Uh, it is. It's been a lot of fun. I, I'm following Nick Kyrgios. Uh, he was impressive in his, in his quarterfinals, going straight sets in the quarterfinals. Uh, and how's this for a break for for Kyrgios? He goes straight sets. His semifinal opponent Rafa Nadal goes five. Yeah. In, in his quarterfinal. Uh, over four hours, he may be a little bit dinged up as well. This is a golden opportunity for Nick Kyrgios, a guy I have thought for years has every physical tool you want in a Grand Slam champion. He's got the big serve. He's got the footwork. He's got the ground strokes. He, he's got every, every shot in the bag to win a Grand Slam in tennis. His biggest handicap, I've said for years, is that little 8 to 10-inch space in between his ears. Oh, absolutely. That's been his biggest handicap. And, and even in this tournament, even in this tournament, his head, his, his head game has been, a, has been off at times. I mean, that third-round match against Tsitsipas, that, that was a match where the, the edge was definitely there. And, you know, the BBC took some took some flack for cutting away from the handshake between those two at the net. I think they were really seriously concerned about showing a felony assault on live TV <laughs> well, with a handshake. I, the match afterwards, um, Nick Kyrgios against Nakashima on center court, and it, it looked – Nick Kyrgios looked almost flat coming out. He was on center court for the first time in a very long time, the commentators mm-hmm. made note of it that, you know, maybe because of his antics out on the uh, on the centre, the other courts weren't going to fly on the centre court, and he looked flat. But he, he had that little shoulder complaint, took a few pills, and next thing you know, mm-hmm. mate, he is back flying. Yeah, tanked the final game of the fourth set because, you know, he, he just wanted to get himself refocused. I get that. And Nick Kyrgios in a fifth set at Wimbledon, Guys, cash money. Absolutely, has lost in his career. Has absolutely lost. cash money on, on in a fifth set at, at Wimbledon. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I'm a fan of Nick Kyrgios. I've, I I want to see him win. I, I want to see if he can put a full tournament together, and he's got his shot right now. His first first uh, semifinal at Wimbledon, first Grand Slam semifinal period, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. He's even so made the, he's this, made, the quarters, a... made the quarters a few times, made the quarters at Wimbledon. But, yeah, look, this is going to be a tough ask. But how about... Rafael Nadal's opponent in the quarter, Taylor Fritz. Am I right in saying he was the last American in the draw on both sides? Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he he was he was the last American. Listen, American men's tennis the last cut since Agassi and Sampras and and uh, Andy Roddick called it a career. American men's tennis has been non-existent. So I mean, we're talking 15, 20 years. Yeah, well. uh, we had four. We had four American men get to the last sixteen, which that hadn't happened in thirty years. Uh, so, and, and Taylor Fritz is probably the best of the bunch. I think he's got the game to win a slam, uh, to win a slam or two. He's he's got a good game, and he's he's been progressively getting better. He gets a quarterfinal. This year at Wimbledon goes five with Nadal and really had a sh- had a legit shot. Uh, he gets to a fifth set tiebreak well, against mean, one of the against a goat candidate well, if, in Rafa Nadal. If Kyrgios ends up beating a banged up Rafael Nadal, now half of that check needs to go to Taylor Fritz, surely. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say half, half? But yeah, twenty five percent, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say a decent percentage of it should probably go to Taylor Fritz for 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 banging up Nadal in the quarterfinal like he did, but but part of that's on on Kyrgios too being as clinical as he was in the quarter in his quarter. Yeah, I straight sets. What was it? Uh, three four six three six four seven six. Yeah, up against uh, was it Garen? Garen the Chilean. Yeah, Garen. Yeah, first time a Chilean has got that far. I would say in a very very long time. But he looked he looked. Mm-hmm focused Nick Kyrgios. It was a different Nick Kyrgios. Yeah. And, and that's the hard thing with him. He's so hot and cold. You really just don't know which which Nick Kyrgios is going to come out. But hopefully for all Nick Kyrgios fans, who I'm sure who are listening on the SDN app and all across the SDN network, they'll be hoping that the switched on Nick Kyrgios comes out to Rafael Nadal. But if we, we take a look at the other semi-final, mate, Novak Djokovic will take on the Brit Cameron Norrie. Ooh, yeah. I you, you got to think uh, Djokovic is a a firm favorite, but he he's going to be going against. Uh, he, he's definitely going to be the uh, the player on the road. Yeah, absolutely. In this one, I mean, how you're, many you're times t- in his career would he be the player on the road? I know in Australia when he plays, usually there's mixed emotion in the crowd. Oh, he'd be getting it in most parts of the world, and then when you're going up against a Brit. A, it's going to be tough going on center court for Novak. Yeah, yeah, definitely. the the uh, the uh, The Brit is going to be the crowd favorite on center court. Uh, they they will be polite to no, Novak as a Wimbledon crowd typically is for to everybody. Sure. They're very polite, but definitely they're going to be they're going to be very partisan for the Brit. But that may help a little bit, but I, I doubt it helps him enough against, uh, against Djokovic because he, he absolutely has to be the firm favorite to, to take out Wimbledon in, in full to, to win the title on Sunday, no matter who he would play in a semi, in a, in a final. 
whether it's against Nadal or against Absolutely. Um, against Kyrgios. I think the betting markets over here, they've got Novak Djokovic very short, so he he's most likely going to win. And even Nick Kyrgios in his match against Rafael Nadal, he's favourite. So, look, I'm pretty excited yeah, to see how all this plays out. Yeah, I'm going to have to look this up now. I want to see where he is uh, in the betting markets can over I, here, actually. Hey, because... Chris, can I ask? I, one thing that I've always wondered about American sports, I see the odds come up, and it... it it's a plus 100 or minus 100. How do the betting odds work over in America? Uh, yeah, we're a little bit different. Um, I actually, on one of my betting sites, I actually have my my uh, my odds listed in, in the Australian way. Yeah. But so, like, like for Wimbledon, you know, Novak is $1.06. Yes. Tomorrow in the semifinal. Yep. Um, and then Kyrgios... Wow, Kyrgios is dollar fifty-seven. Yeah, that's surprising, isn't it? Yeah. But he was he was also favourite against Sitsipas. So, look, I, I think maybe just because of the weight of the money is all on Kyrgios. I, I'm not too sure. But yeah, so if you were yeah, to put okay. a dollar on, you get fifty-seven cents back. But how does that work in yeah. the American bookies? Yeah, basically, uh, whenever you see a minus, um, you see, let's say a minus one, a minus one ten, which is a standard which is basically a standard even money bet that's basically a dollar 91 okay right. uh the, that's the way it works out uh it's the 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 mine like a minus 110 i mean you have to bet 110 dollars to win a 100 dollar profit oh okay righto that's how you now if you now if you see a plus number like a plus 240 yeah. um that that translates to um uh, in Australia three dollars and forty cents. Okay. So you bet a hundred bucks at plus two forty, that gets you a profit of two hundred and forty dollars. Right. There you go. We'll see on the overnight crowd, not only are you keeping up to date with all the sport around the world, we will tell you how if you do go to America, how you will be able to bet. Chris, thank you for that, mate. Now yep. and, and by the, by the way, uh, looking at the futures, um, Novak is a dollar twenty-five on DraftKings. Yeah, that's, that's Curios is actually Curios is actually second favorite, five dollars. Wow, there you go. Well, see, so you'd have to you'd have to go for the value there. But look, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens at Wimbledon. Now, mm-hmm. mate, as as an American, I'm sure you're all across your uh, American sports. Now, a name that we love over here in Australia is Josh Giddy, and I believe he's back in the headlines. Yeah, Summer League's going on. Apparently, let me see if I can pull this up here. Apparently, he was doing something last night. Saw something on social media about it. Josh Giddy, yeah, well, he's over there at the uh, Oklahoma Thunder, I believe. But, yeah, NBA Summer League happening. What about Dyson Daniels, who went number yeah. six in the NBA draft? Yeah. I... You there, mate? But yeah, Josh Giddy. Yeah, I'm – yeah, you still here? You hear yeah, me? Yeah. All good, mate. All good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Josh Giddy. Um, you know, what he did last year for the Oklahoma City Thunder, yeah, that's uh, – yeah, triple doubles. I, that guy is going to be a star someday. For sure. Um, he, he's He's – 
played great last season for Oklahoma City. Uh, and Oklahoma City is only going to get better because they've got a boatload of draft picks, a boatload of draft capital they can they can play around with, um, whether actually using them or trading them for other players. Uh, so yeah, Oklahoma City is in a position where they're going to get they're going to get better fairly quickly, and Josh Giddy's going to be the middle, right in the middle of that. But saw something on uh, in the news over or this morning when I woke up, uh, trying to find it now. But apparently, uh, an Australian guy in the summer league was just going nuts last night. I, I, look, I can't, look, I can't say that. Um basketball is up there with one of the sports on my repertoire but we'll, we'll find that name for you how about this what we'll do oh, yeah. we'll regather ourselves we'll take a quick break on the other side we'll chat plenty more sport and i, I want to hear about this holiday a little bit more what else you're up to but you're listening to the overnight crowd with nathan gibbons on sen and chris from missouri the u.s we back just in a bit Listening to the Overnight Crowd, call us anytime, 1300 736 736, or tweet us at Overnight Crowd. Listening to the overnight crowd. My name is Nathan Gibbons. I'm stepping in for Phil Pryor. And a staple on the overnight crowd here on SEN is Chris from the US. Chris, chatting to you in the in the break there, I didn't realise mm-hmm. how long you've been doing this for, mate. Yeah, I think it's what been five years I've been uh, uh calling in. How did you um how did you come across AFL? You were saying you barrack for the uh, Collingwood Magpies. How did you come uh, across the Pies? Back back in the day, okay, back in the early '80s uh, is when I got got hooked into into footy in the into AFL. Uh, this little network, this little network in its infancy on cable. Um, because it, it, where, where cable had just started and one of the one of the early one networks was this little thing called ESPN. And back in the early 80s, they when you have 168 hours of programming a week to fill, you're going to put any, about just about anything on you can find that's sports related when you're in sports network. And one of the sports was Australian rules football. Sunday mornings in the summertime up here, Flip on ESPN at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday or Sunday, and I see this weird sport I had never seen before. <laughs> and I was a kid who loved my sport. I loved my baseball, loved my American football, hockey, basketball, loved my sport. I see this big oval field, 18 guys kicking around what looks like an American football and, and punching it and punching each other and hitting each other. Not wearing pads, wearing shorts and a and a and a tank top, what looked like. And I'm sitting down watching this game, and I'm like, 
this is awesome. <laughs> so I, I got hooked from that moment. Like I was six years old. This is like 1983. And I've been hooked on it ever since. Love my footy. So now, that, that's how I got tied into it. Now, there's another sport up here in the northern states on the east coast of Australia, rugby league. Have you, ah, Chris, yes, Chris, yes. Have I, you... I, I, I have. I am familiar with it. I, I will be. I will be the first to admit I'm not nearly as across uh, rugby league as I am, as I am AFL. Now, it, it just doesn't get aired over here nearly as much. Yeah. I mean, AFL gets a lot more airplay over here than than NRL does, so I, I don't get a chance to watch it. And my my uh, Knowledge of rugby, it's more rugby union. Sure, and because the American side have, have made quite huge advancements in the last couple of years. Their seven side were good. I think Carlin Isles, who was one of your better sprinters over there, was playing in your rugby team. And, and if I think it's the mm-hmm. MLR, the Major League Rugby, has sort of kicked off. Like, yeah, it- I, in fact, they just had their, their final a couple of weeks ago. It was on. It was on network television over here. How big is that? So yeah, rugby Chris. union. It, it's getting. It's getting better. It's going to always be a niche sport. It's going to be somewhere behind soccer. Yeah. Okay, and soccer is probably the number five sport over here in the U.S. Rugby union is going to always be behind that. But when you, when you watch rugby, it, it's a it's a great sport to watch. It's got the physicality of football. Um, I, I think it could be, it could be bigger over here, but your, your best athletes, your best contact sport athletes are always going to want to try for the NFL Yeah, and nothing is ever going to change that. But you know, those guys who don't make the NFL, there must be plenty of those, always an option. There must be plenty of, uh, those sort of athletes who miss out on the NBA. I know, over here on our ESPN, there's a, a documentary, a TV show called Rugby Town, uh, which is set over mm-hmm. in America, made by ESPN, and they're trying to convert sort of players who have fallen out of, you know, favour with N- NFL or college. So, I mean, there must mm-hmm. be so many athletes over there that potentially some of them could try their hand at any of the number of codes. I mean, AFL would be right for the picking, surely. Yeah, I, AFL would be. I, if, if you want physical contact, AFL is a good place to go. NRL is a good place to go. Rugby Union is a good place to go. And you think about the number of roster spots in the NFL. Yeah, there's only sixteen. There's only sixteen, seventeen hundred roster spots that are available to to anybody to play in the NFL. There's a lot more college level guys who try to make it and they don't make it and, you know, just kind of kind of fade out and get a real job instead of playing, you know, playing sport for as, as a profession and rugby or AFL or um, any code like that could, could always be an option for a guy who wants to, who wants to keep his athletic career going and, and maybe make a little bit of change at least uh, playing sport. Now we are sort of in the down season over in the U.S., the NBA has wrapped up. The NFL begins in a couple of months. But there was a big trade. Baker Mayfield uh, from the Carolina Panthers to the Cleveland Browns. Oh, sorry, from the Cleveland Browns to the Carolina Panthers. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's the way it's going. Yeah, Baker Mayfield, former, former first-round draft pick, 
of the Cleveland Browns, the first Browns quarterback to win a playoff game in 30 years. Okay. And he fell out of favor quick. And I thought it was unfair last year, the, the way everything went down there in Cleveland, because he spent last year basically with every part of his body injured. It seemed like he, he was constantly hurt. He, he you know, miss, didn't miss as much time as you might've thought he would with all the injuries he had. I had a busted shoulder. He had some ankle issues. Uh, he, he was, he was the walking wounded last year. Uh, and all of a sudden falls out of favor this off season. The Browns make a very controversial uh trade and then long-term extension signing to uh, get Deshaun Watson. They pay a King's ransom to get Deshaun Watson out of Houston, the quarterback there who has uh, a boatload of legal issues that he's uh, (laughs) dealing with in this off season and still facing the possibility of a, a lengthy suspension from the NFL for, for his uh, off the field act. Uh, regarding a massage therapist. Uh, but the Browns send multiple first-round draft picks to Houston to get Deshaun Watson to be their starting quarterback because apparently they thought Baker Mayfield um, wasn't good enough. Um, and then they signed Deshaun Watson to a five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract. There you go. And, Baker, and Baker's thinking what the hell? I take you guys to the playoffs when you playoff game and you want to get this guy who may be uh, suspended for, for an entire season who didn't play at all last year because of the same issues. Uh, so he may go two full years without taking an NFL snap and you want to assign him to be the, the, the starting quarterback here. Screw you Cleveland. And, and he was like, I want out. So finally he got his wish. It's a conditional 2024 uh, – it's a fifth-round draft pick right now. Depending on how much Baker plays in Carolina this year, it could become a fourth-round draft pick. So basically, the the Browns traded their former starting quarterback, their former first overall pick, to the Carolina Panthers for a bag of balls and a pallet of athletic tape. <laughs> well – Chris, mate, it's been absolute honour and a privilege to chat with you. The early hours of Friday, our time, Thursday, your time, mate. Have a great trip over to Scotland, and uh, I will do my best. And Tiger Woods, or who are you, who do you want to win? Who would you ideally, in your trip over to the Open Championship, who who do you want to see win it? The the story would be Tiger if yeah. he could pull off a a Jack Nicholas level miracle like Nicholas pulled off in '86 at Augusta, that would be the storybook finish, right there, at St Andrews, Tiger one more one more major, uh, out of all places St Andrews that'd be the great story, uh, in terms of who's actually going to win it. Uh, I'll have an official tip next week. I'm leaning. There's three or four guys I'm thinking of putting money on to to win it. I'll have an official tip next week, though. Well, Chris, Phil Pryor will be back in the chair next Thursday. But, mate, I really appreciate you dropping us a line from over in St. Louis, Missouri. Enjoy the rest of your day, and, and we'll chat in the future. All right. Sounds good. You have a good night. Cheers, mate.
Yes, you're listening to the overnight crowd. I really appreciate Chris from the US, Missouri. He's off to Scotland soon. Well, that's nearly us about done here on the overnight crowd. Thank you to everyone who's sort of texted in and called in over the last three hours. The show's not over yet. We'll take a quick break. We've still got a bit to chat through. You are listening to the overnight crowd on SEN. You're listening to the overnight crowd. Yes, it is the overnight crowd where you have landed on the SEN app and across the SEN network. We are counting down the closing stages of the show for another day. 8th of July, 15 minutes to go over on the West Coast. We're still in Thursday. I had a a couple of quick tidbits to get through. I I thought I was going to say them throughout the show, but on the 7th of July, so if you can travel back in time to yesterday... And maybe around the water cooler at work, you can slip this into conversation. In 1928, sliced bread is sold for the first time. In Missouri, oh, I should have, should have mentioned that to Chris. So in 1928, sliced bread is sold for the first time. In 1985, on the 7th of July, I know it's a bit redundant now, but for... The people on the West Coast, you've still got a few minutes to get this one out. 1985, Boris Becker becomes the youngest male to ever win Wimbledon at age 17. In 2019, and this is the 7th of July, so like I said, if you're in um, in WA, quickly get this one out while you can. The United States women's national soccer team defeated the Netherlands 2-0 at the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup final in Lyon in France. 7th of July. We've, I've got a couple of bits to go for 8th of July. The first issue of the Wall Street Journal is published. Now, that, that one's a bit above my pay grade. I'm, I'm usually, I'm just, I go straight to the back part of the, the paper, open up the sports section and words in there that I can understand. In 1933, the first rugby union test match between the Wallabies of Australia and the Springboks of South Africa is played at Newland Stadium in Cape Town. Now, I, I think the listeners out there, you should consider yourself lucky because I rugby union is probably my my favoured sport, and you were pretty much you were pretty much saved from a fifteen minute preview of Australia versus England, which I'm absolutely pumped for. Uh, Dave Rennie's men got the job done last Saturday. They were down to fourteen men. Quade Cooper was injured in the warm up. James O'Connor, James O'Connor was was at a function. He was doing a corporate function and he was brought down into the squad. So consider yourself lucky there. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and we'll wrap things up. You are listening to The Overnight Crowd. This is SEN on the SEN app and across the SEN network. You're listening to The Overnight Crowd. Call us anytime, 1300 736 736 or tweet us at Overnight Crowd. Yes, it is The Overnight Crowd you were listening to. However you listen to your radio, whether that be on the SEN app or across the SEN network across Australia, I really appreciate the support. A lot of texts both on 
the Victoria number and also on the Sydney number. Really appreciate the support, guys. Hopefully it's been engaging and entertaining, but there's still plenty of sport to get through. I am pumped for the second test from Gaul, Sri Lanka versus Australia. You can hear that on the SEN app and across the SEN network. England versus India are about to kick off in their first T20 series. Aussie Matt Mott will take the reins again for the white ball stuff. Sydney Swans, we heard from Nick Davis earlier on. He'll be out there for AFL Nation as they take on the Western Bulldogs at the SCG. For NRL Nation, for the guys up in Queensland and New South Wales, and wherever you're listening to, the Newcastle Knights will take on the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Latrell Mitchell back from injury for the second week. We'll see how he goes there. And look, we've been talking, we've been waxing lyrically about this man. Nick Kyrgios versus Rafael Nadal in the semi tomorrow. And Novak Djokovic against the Brit Cameron Norrie. Thanks for listening. You're listening to The Overnight Crowd. My name's Nathan Gibbons. Phil Pryor will be back with you next Thursday. It's been a ball. Enjoy the rest of your morning and we'll chat soon. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.